Good morning, everyone. This is Zach Goodman, not Paul Valley, uh, to start the show, but Paul is on his way in. Sorry for the about a two minutes late start. We had some issues with our Streamlabs software here, but we've got it all figured out, and we're up and running here in our Towson studios. Paul Valley has arrived. I'm glad to see him. Happy to start the show with him. Um, I was going to get started by talking about the World Baseball Classic a little bit, Paul. I've been going over these rosters, looking into them a little bit. Pretty exciting. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting talent, especially on that USA team. But man, that Dominican team is stacked. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people placing bets on this. That Dominican team's looking pretty good. I mean, you've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in that infield. That infield as a whole is stacked. But you've got Mike Trout on the USA team. I want to once you sit down and, and get started here. I want to get your quick thoughts on the World Baseball Classic because I I've been looking at these rosters. They look pretty insane. Yeah, I haven't looked at any of the rosters, so I'm not. Oh, gonna, okay, I'm, all right. I'm not, I, there's nothing for me to talk well, about. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Know, I don't know what the rosters are. Any kind of acknowledgement fair. that I'm texting you. Any oh, ki- well, any kind of acknowledgement. Sorry, so so I, 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 I will. I will preface this by saying I was talking to Glenn actually, um, because oh, okay. Streamlabs was not working. So we got it up and going. Man, just, Glenn's actually calling me, so I'm gonna call. I'm gonna answer that, and then I will be back. It is a cavalcade of just chaos this morning. Um, I was at the gym, and I left him plenty of time to get here, and everybody that seemed to be... Cromwell Bridge Road is a disaster. Cromwell Bridge Road is a disaster. And see, it's my fault. It's my fault because I know this. I've been driving down Cromwell Bridge Road for like two and a half years now to get to either here or where our studio used to be, and I know that nobody drives the actual speed limit on Cromwell Bridge Road. If the it's spe- a mess. If the speed limit is 40... They're doing about 34. If the speed limit's 25, they're doing about 19. <laughs> Nobody drives up to the speed limit or above, for sure not above. So if you're running even on time, you're running late. Yeah. But sorry about saying any kind of acknowledgement. I didn't know if you were here or not. I didn't <laughs> nope, know if you were getting my text. I'm, sorry, I, yeah, I'm yeah, like, I, what's I, happening with the show? So what was happening? It was telling me that the, the multi-stream wasn't able to be configured, and I... I didn't know what that meant. Glenn didn't know what that meant, but we got to figure it out. So apparently restarting the program is what, what solves that. So gotcha. There's that. Gotcha. Now, how are our levels? Because I feel like we both sound super loud. We're, we're probably a little loud. We're probably a little loud. That, that's the norm around here, I uh, feel uh, like. Uh, all right. Well, hi, everyone. We're, we're, <laughs> we're good to go now. What, it, it, it figures. It, at any time that something goes wrong for one of us, it becomes a Murphy's Law that's true. situation. And obviously, I'm a bit flustered because I don't like being late for my own show. And I shouldn't have been late, but I, it is my fault. Good morning, Paul. <laughs> it, is, it is my fault. Um, good morning. The Bat Around is brought to you by Pressbox Offers. Bet $5 with DraftKings and instantly get $200 in bonus bets for tomorrow's big game. Get this and other great sports book promos and specials at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. The second link, it, it actually says that's Pressboxonline.com slash offers, but it says that's Pressbow oh. online. Pressbow. Pressbow. <laughs> I don't know what Pressbow online is. I wonder if it's an actual thing. Probably somewhere. Pre- Pressbow online. No, the World Baseball Classic, and actually I have a question in there for Stan. Um, I always I love the World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. 2017, it was awesome. Yeah. The USA won. I, and, and here's the thing. Look, Dominican Republic generally has like the best baseball players in the world. They do. But I still feel like Team USA... Should win. Can I run down this roster for you uh, of Team USA? Well, uh, yes, in one second. Sure. But so you go back to 2017, and of course it was supposed to happen again in 2021, but COVID happened instead, right. and um, you know COVID screwed up 
everything. So we didn't get an opportunity to see it. It's back in 2023. Oh. And so it started in 2006, then again in 20, in 2009, and then I think it, was, it went until 2013, and then 2017. And it used to make me nervous because Orioles players that were involved in the World Baseball Classic would have to leave spring training to go play. And you're wondering if they're ramped up. Now, these are professional athletes, so they are 100% probably getting their, their season regimen started a little bit earlier yeah. so that they can be in maybe not mid-season form, but in-season form to play in the World Baseball Classic. Right. Um, but I always used to get worried about injury, about fatigue, more so in 2013 and 2017 because you were looking at a situation where the Orioles were actually in contention those years. Right. 2006, 2009, the, the Orioles weren't in contention. I still I still worried about it, and I don't remember how many players were involved in it back then uh, from the Orioles rosters. But in 2013 and 2017, they had players involved, and it always made me nervous. I don't want these guys to either crap out in the middle of the season because they've been ramping up for baseball since January or get hurt in spring training or in a game and not be able to play the start of the season. We're talking about guys like Adam Jones. Um, but, of course, Adam Jones provided us. He was the captain of Team USA in 2017, provided us with that epic moment where he robbed his then-teammate Manny Machado with a home run in San Diego, which is Adam Jones' hometown, and now where Manny Machado uh, plays third base every day. Right. And, and so it was awesome. It was awesome. Now, Fast forward to 2023, you almost forgot about the World Baseball Classic because it's been six years since they've done it. I'm super excited for it. However, I don't know what the roster is. I know I know Cedric Mullins and I know Mike Trout are on the team. Cedric Mullins is one of them. Um, so the the breakdown of the American roster, you have JT Real Muto and Will Smith as your catchers. Kyle Higashioka, oh, jiggy with it. Kyle Higashioka is listed. I don't know if he's ever going to see any playing time. I guess we'll see. Um, he's all right. Good defender, but not. he's not Will Smith or JT Real Muto. He'll play. If we're being he'll, honest. Maybe he'll, uh, he'll, he'll come yeah, in yeah, as yeah. Like a defensive replacement, although yeah. they're both def- good defensive catchers, too. So you've got Pete Alonso and Paul Goldschmidt at first base. That's incredibly stacked. Uh, Jeff McNeil at second. Nolan Arenado at third, Tim Anderson, Trey Turner, and Bobby Witt uh, all listed as at the shortstop position. And then in the outfield, you have Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Tucker, and Cedric Mullins. But the pitching is where it starts to get a little bit weak for the U.S. team. Uh, You have Clayton Kershaw, Adam Wainwright, Lance Lynn. Those are kind of your top three guys. Uh, Three guys on the backside of their careers, probably not all still very good. Though. All still very good, especially Clayton Kershaw. I mean, had like a 2-2 ERA last year, so I can't discount that. Uh, if I'm the Dodgers, it, he's still with the Dodgers, right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, still with he the is. Dodgers. If I'm the Dodgers, and I'm counting on Clayton Kershaw, and he's had back issues for mm-hmm. like five years now, mm-hmm. I don't want him playing in the World Baseball Classic. I, I don't disagree. But the Dodgers rotation is so deep, they have like 37 guys who can all like be aces <laughs> uh, on other that's teams. That's true. That's true. So Nestor Cortez is also in there. Um, and I, I guess they're going to use him in a starting role. He obviously, I guess, has done both in his career. So we'll see. Uh, but in the in the bullpen, you're looking at Jason Adam, Daniel Bard, David Bednar, uh, Kendall Graven, Merrill Kelly, Nick Martinez, Miles Michaelis, Adam Ottavino, Ryan Presley, Brady Singer, and Devin Williams, uh, I guess, is your closer there. So Devin Williams, former Cy Young winner. Yeah. Pr- pretty strong bullpen. Um, yeah, well, it's a pretty strong, it's a pretty strong. But roster. just wait until you hear about this Dominican team. Well, well, but but I want to. Um, <laughs> how many games max are these teams even going to play? So ten, maybe. I don't know. Um, I believe it. It's not going to be that many. I don't. Even th- I don't think it would be that. It'd be like four. I think. Max. No, 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 no. Because, no. because they they have they have the. Um, oh yeah, you're right. They it, have the early rounds, and then they get to the knockout stage, right? 
I believe that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. They, they'll play more. I'll do more digging. We'll find this out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But no, it's, it's certainly exciting. Now, let me, let me hear the Dominican roster. Okay, so you're looking at, I'm just going to run down the full list without naming positions here. Sure. Uh, Gary Sanchez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jose Ramirez, Jeremy Pena, Manny Machado, Starling Marte, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Rafael Devers, uh, Francisco Mejia, Cattell Marte, Nelson Cruz, Pedro Severino, Robinson Cano, Teoscar Hernandez, and Wander Franco. The U.S. team's roster is better. You think it's better? The, yes. Really? Yes. That's yes. a hot take. Uh, Pedro Severino and Gary Sanchez well, are on that team. Yeah, that's the weak position. At, uh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is is good, but he's not. He's not. Uh, every outfielder on the um, on the Team USA roster, in my opinion, is better. Really? I mean, you have Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto. I mean, uh, no, I'm not talking about their entire. I'm talking about oh, okay. Eloy I gotcha. Jimenez. I got gotcha. you. Like, that's fair. I, 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 the Team USA's roster is better. So when you start to look at the pitching, though, you might change your mind because you have in your starting rotation Sandy Alcantara, uh, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Luis Castillo. That's a really good top four for them. Uh, and in the bullpen, they have Brian Abreu, Camilo Doval, who I'm not familiar with, honestly, uh, Diego Castillo, Emmanuel Clase, Felix Bautista, Genesis Cabrera, Gregory Soto, Juan Duran, uh, Rafael Montero, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Wandy Peralta. The Astros and someone else have got two off. of their five starters in the they, World Baseball Classic. That's and maybe more. I don't know. I haven't looked at the. I know Venezuela has uh, Jose Altuve as well uh, as an Astros. There might be other guys somewhere else. Hmm. And these guys played into November. They've had. They really only got two months off. Yeah. The the, the guys that are in the World Baseball Classic because you had to start ramping up in January. Yeah. Right. So they really only got two mo- two months off from baseball. And they're see that's why I don't like it. I, that's why I, I feel like the World Baseball Classic should happen after the season. Now the players are not going to be for that. No, they're not going to be for that. Or you take off a month and you can't. There's no way you can take off a month in the middle of the season or three yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's, that's there, there, there's there's no way. There's no way. I get it. This is really the time that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And in in certain parts of the country. Um, these games, the weather's going to be nice and warm yeah. um, when you're playing them. I, 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 so I get it. Man, it, I, especially the Astros with two of their five starting pitchers, their, their MVP caliber starting second baseman, the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw. Uh, if Cedric Mullins pulls a hammy, or something. Hope not. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. He's also no. he's a reserve on this team. Right. I, I he might get three starts. Yeah. Right. But he, he's he's a reserve on this team. If Cedric Mullins pulls a hammy, it, you can find a way to replace him with the Orioles. I'd rather not have to face that dilemma. But it just makes me if if I'm the GM and the manager of a team, and I have some of my best players leaving spring training to go play in the World Baseball Classic, I am super nervous. I'm su- I, I'm I'm a I'm a fan. I cover the team and I, and I'm nervous. Yeah. You know, but uh, look, Dylan Tate isn't isn't going to be for team is going to be part of Team USA. Right. Ramona Rios isn't part of Team Mexico. And we thought they were both going to be part of it. Yeah. I don't know if they pulled out or if they said, "Look, we don't need you" or if they're alternates. I have no idea, but I know that they're currently not part yeah. of that. Um, By the I, way, I'm on MLB.com right now. I'll just read you off the format uh, that mm-hmm. they have listed. It is a pool play. It says pool play is a round-robin double elimination tournament. From there, the top two teams in each pool advance to, essentially, an eight-team single elimination bracket. Yeah, knockout round. So it, it, which is it's um, same thing as the Soccer World Cup, where the final eight teams are in the knockout stage. 
so if like when if Team USA were to get out in in soccer, if Team USA gets out of the the pool play, um, they they've made the final eight. So it, it's the same. It's it's ex- the exact same format, which is kind of what I figured it was going to be. Man, we need to fix the rake on that take to rake. Um, mm, it is struggling on there. Yeah, and le- it, it could just be one of those rakes that also kind of looks like a hoe. H O E H O E. Yeah. No, um. Yeah. So. I, I, I love the World Baseball Classic, and it gives us a chance to watch meaningful games mm-hmm. uh, before the regular season starts. So that has me excited, too. Uh, hopefully, there are no significant injuries to anybody. I don't remember any uh, from six years ago. I don't either. I don't remember any. So and, and baseball, like, look, knock on wood here. Baseball isn't a sport where you have too many devastating injuries. No. It's not like football, where every team has five to 30 Guys on IR like the Ravens every freaking year. Um, We're getting hit by middle linebackers you know, twenty exactly. times a game. I mean, it, exactly. So it's it, it's not the same. These are more like soft tissue injuries that you see. Very rarely is it something like significant. So I mean, that's how they're able to play full seasons every yeah. year with and get through it because these guys. It's obviously I think it's more concerning on the pitching end. You don't want mm-hmm. elbow injuries, especially this early in the year. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. Those guys have definitely been getting themselves ready since January. But and I'll, I'll tell you, man, so when I went down to Florida last year to play in the Sunshine Classic, about a year ago, right around a year ago, um, I played six games in four days. And the games were seven-inning games because we were playing doubleheaders. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, man, my body was done. My legs felt like cement by the sixth game. And, and now, and I was, I was playing... The only game I didn't start and play everything at shortstop was the first game where I played the second through the seventh inning at shortstop, and the third game where I was a starting pitcher and I pitched a complete game. And other than that, I played every single inning, and I was taxed. Now, these guys play 162 games in about 180 days. Yeah. The, the physical therapist that they have working on them nonstop throughout the year, otherwise your body can't do it. Yeah. And, and, now, and I get it. I'm 38. It's not like I'm 23. A lot of 38-year-olds in MLB, but, though. Yeah, you know? but you still, I mean, it's still tough on the body. I don't yeah. care how old you are. It's still tough on the body to go out there and do that every day. So, um, but yeah, look, it's, 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 I'm excited about it. It'll be a cool thing to watch and gives us a reason to watch, uh, 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 some exciting baseball to watch before the season starts. So yeah. I'm, I'm all over, overall all for it. Now, you mentioned Christian Javier. He's part of uh, the Dominican Republic uh, team. And he just signed a five-year, $64 million extension, buying out his arbitration years with the Astros. He went 11-9 and with a uh, 2.54 ERA last year in 30 games, 25 starts. About 148 in the third innings pitched, I yep. believe. Um, he's got a 3.05 career ERA. He is, if he continues on this trend for his career, he's by the time he hits free agency, because he's 25 right now, by the time he hits free agency, yeah. he'll be 30 years old. He's a 30 to $40 million a year pitcher. Yeah. And they got him for under $13 million a year. Now, I get it. They're buying out his arbitration years, and that's why you're able to get him at a lower rate. But did he sell himself short with this contract? Probably, I, I yeah. I, I, you would have to assume so. Yeah. And I get that you're buying... Like, I think he's arbitration eligible right now. I mm-hmm. think that, that well, I think that this the twenty twenty three is the first year that he's arbitration eligible. You're buying out three years of arbitration from him, and then he's getting another two years after that. If he went to arbitration, he'd probably make 
in the $20 million range by the end of arbitration. Probably more than that. I, it's, I was going to say, I mean, it's going to keep going up. I, yeah. I would think he could end up making, what, $25 million? Like I it, mean, if, right. If, if, it's, if he didn't sign, sign an extension and he goes out and puts out a year this year where he makes 30 starts and he pitches 170, 180 innings mm-hmm. with a 2.5 to 3 ERA, he'll make $18 million next year in arbitration. Easy. And then the year after that, he'll make $23 million in arbitration. The year after that, he might make $26 million, $27 million in arbitration. Uh, and these are I'm, I have no idea how that process works. I'm just going by what I've seen from other people. Like Shohei Otani got like $31 million in arbitration. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, to me, he sold himself a little bit short, but I guess is having the say that he gets hurt. And basically, that's why you're accepting the deal because there's a chance that if you get hurt, now you might not make anything. There's guarantees. For sure. So he's guaranteed to make sixty-four million dollars over the next five years. I just think he could have made seventy-five, eighty million over the next five years, and then really capitalize over the next three years. I mean, seventy-five or eighty million over the next three years, and then really capitalize by hitting the open market at twenty-eight years old. You're twenty-eight. And you're one of the best pitchers in baseball, and you're going to make thirty to forty million. You you can probably hit free agency twice yeah. after that. So I don't know. Uh, Stan would argue, and, and I'm going to ask Stan about this. But Stan would argue, you know, because we've asked him about extensions for Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. He said, I don't know why people are in so much of a hurry to pay these guys. You know, you, you still have them relatively cheaply, like on on rookie deals, where they're making the league minimum. And I mean. It just doesn't last for cheap forever, right? Yeah, like, it, you're not always going to be paying a guy $8 million. Right, and and the thing is, to me, it's not a matter of, and we got to get Stan on the line, but it's because it, I told him we'd call him at 10.20. Okay. Um, and he was he was not happy that we waited till like, 10.30 last week to call him. But um, to me, it's you're not paying him to pay him. You're paying him to keep him happy, right? Because if you let this guy go through the arbitration process making mm-hmm. league minimum, he's going to remember that. He's going to see all his peers around him getting paid. If everybody else was doing the same thing, okay, fine. But everybody else around around these players are signing these big-time right. extensions. They're going to be like, well, you didn't pay me the same courtesy. So right. now why would I pay you the courtesy of giving you right of first refusal? Also, real quick, this defines the legacy of new GM Dana Brown. It, it might define it. If this is a deal he pulls off, five years, paying him under $13 million a year, it's an excellent deal on paper. Let's see how this plays out. This could make you know make or break the, the early part of the career for Dana Brown. I mean, this is his first significant move as new Astros GM, and a lot of these long-term extensions uh, are the ones that GMs are either, you know, they really, I'm looking for the word, it, it's... It'll either break their career or make it. That's what I'm looking for. Make, so, make, make or break. It'll make or break, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll have to see how that how that plays out. For the Astros, how do they keep getting away with this? But, you know, the the rich get richer, I guess, or... It's just they have, a, they have a really, really good and young starting rotation, and they're not paying them a ton of money. The one guy they were going to be paying a ton of money, Justin Verlander, he's with the Mets now. Uh, they, they have... They have it all working in their favor right now, and they have to be the favorite to represent the American League in the World Series again. And they're not spending... I mean, they have a high payroll, but they're not spending through the nose, out yeah. the nose, out the nose, um, for their young pitching because they're working out good, low deals with them to buy out their arbitration. With that in mind, we have Stan the Fan Charles on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Stan. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well, Sam. We're talking about um, 
uh, Christian Javier's deal with the Astros. Five years, $64 million, 11-9 and with a 2.54 ERA in 2022. His last two starts in the postseason, ALCS and in the World Series, two starts, 11 and the third innings pitch, just one hit allowed, no earned runs, 14 strikeouts. They're getting him at under $13 million a year, and I understand they're buying out the last three years of arbitration. He can hit the open market at 30 years old. If he's if his career continues on this trend, Stan, he's going to be a $30 to $40 million average annual pitcher by the time he hits the open market. Is this a good deal for Christian Javier? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good deal. It gives him the uh, certainty that he's going to be a very wealthy, uh, you know, young man. He probably comes, I'm just guessing, he probably comes from very little. Uh, and this is setting him up as a uh, very wealthy person if he handles, if he can handle that money correctly. Uh, because, again, with a pitcher, you're always one pitch away from, uh, you know, being uh, being worth nothing. That's, that, and that's so I a- think it's a... I think it's a terrific deal for him, and I think it's a terrific deal for the Astros. Oh, it is absolutely a terrific deal for yeah. the Astros, Stan. I mean, they're, they're getting one, one of the better young pitchers in baseball for under $13 million a year. It's an excellent deal. And when you look at their starting rotation, and they're not paying those guys. The, the guy they were going to have to probably pay the most amount of money was Justin Verlander, and he went to the Mets. So they have a young rotation that they're not paying a ton of money to. They have to be the favorites in the American League again this year on paper. Um, you know, on paper's one thing, doing it's another thing. I just wonder how much, uh, not having Justin Verlander is going to uh, factor into the equation this year. I, I do not have them, I do not have them right off the bat as a top four team in my power rankings, oh. I don't think. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong, they're good. You don't lose a pitcher like Justin Verlander. And uh, you know, and not feel feel it at some point, even if it's merely that a, a Javier or what's the the other guys that Garcia? What's the other? Fra- big they have they um, the big... Luis Garcia, and they have Framber Valdez. Luis Garcia, yeah, Framber Valdez was who I was thinking of. If one of them get hurt, you know, I mean, Verlander. Let's not kid ourselves. Was absolutely brilliant last year, mm-hmm. uh, and and I don't know that they've replaced him uh, on paper it sure looks like they have but uh, again they'll need hunter brown or forrest whitley to really be ready uh if they get an injury there yeah they they absolutely do and then you factor into it stan that both fremer valdez and um uh christian javier are pitching in the world baseball classic and that brings me to my next point does that does that make you, if you're a general manager or a manager of a professional team, of a major league baseball team, and you, two of your best starting pitchers and some of your best position players are going to play in the World Baseball Classic, which means they have to ramp up early early and fast, does it make you nervous for injury that they're going to play in the World Baseball Classic instead of being with your team and doing it the appropriate speed? Yeah, I mean, you mean the regular way that you yeah. usually ramp up. Um yeah, I mean, there's definitely a cause for concern, but you've you've had what 15, 18 years of uh, putting that nervousness at the doorstep while you while you watch the what the World Baseball Classic does to to baseball popularity all over the world. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not something I I don't think I don't think Mike Elias is going to lose any sleep over it. It's not it's not something. 
you know, people that are in positions like Elias and this guy Brown down in Houston, uh, they like things to be the same. You know, they don't like a lot of change. So yeah. this is this is a change every four years. They're not comfortable with it, but they've grown to live with it for the greater good of the game. And the Astros, you mentioned, they're not in your top four teams in the American League right now, even though they are very good. Two no, of I didn't fun- say not in the top four of the American League, top four. Like, oh, in, in baseball. Top ten. Uh, yeah, my, my apologies. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're That's not okay. your top four for the for all of baseball, and they have their two of their best young starting pitchers, Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez, participating in the World Baseball Classic. I, I, maybe they're not losing sleep. I know I would be if 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 I were if I, if I were running the team yeah. now with the Orioles. It was assumed that Ramon Arias and Dylan Tate were going to be playing for Team Mexico and Team USA, respectively. Neither of them are on those teams' rosters. Cedric Mullins is on Team USA. He'll leave spring training to take part. So for the Orioles, it's not that, not that, um, not. There's only the one player, really. Yeah, not it's, that it's significant. Not, thank yeah. you. The not not that significant. Um, do you worry that they don't have a replacement for Mullins if something were to happen with him? playing in that I mean I guess Colton Kowser but do they really have somebody that you think could fill in the center field right now and play every day uh you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be ideal I don't think their season is going to be lost by that I mean if you had to you could play Austin Hayes out there yeah that's true I haven't seen I haven't seen Stowers enough to know what he projects but he sure seems like a corner outfielder not a center fielder Mm -hmm. yeah Stan, do you find it interesting? But I'm, I'm not that I'm not that worried about that. No. Stan, you look at Adley Rutschman, and you look at kind of what you would describe as an all-American kid. I mean, grew up in Oregon, played at Oregon State, now number one overall pick. Adley Rutschman kind of screams that. Played for Team USA all those years. Does it surprise you that he didn't get included on the Team USA roster as a catcher? Um, I'm not that I'm not that privy to how those decisions are made. It's not surprising from the Rutschman camp that he wants, you know, he's a, you know, he's already what twenty four now. He's not twenty one. Right. That he wants to get his, that he wants to get his career underway. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of put out the feelers that you know, hey, I'm not going to do it this time. I think he'd be in a much better place four years from now to say, hey, I really want to represent my country. Yeah, and Stan, I think I, think I he wants to get his. I think he wants to get his career on solid footing rather than and and learn these pitchers. I don't think it's something that uh, uh, Chris Holt and Brandon Hyde would have urged him to do. Um, you know, so I think it's important that he's in Oriole camp. Stan, I think I think I definitely agree with that. And you look at a guy like Trey Mancini, who was supposed to play for Team Italy, and he signed with the Cubs and decided, you know what, I think I need to be in spring training with my team rather than go play in the World Baseball Classic. And, I, and I'm sure Adley, looking at the fact that, that he's the centerpiece of this team right now, he's he was the guy who kind of jump-started that turnaround for the team last year. He probably wants to be there with his team because they could do something. They're looking to do something special this year. So I, I think yeah, I agree I think, with you wholeheartedly. I, I, I think part of that specialness of what they can do this year hinges a great deal on him learning all these pitchers and really, you know, being able to hit the ground running as a catcher uh, on the team and missing, what, three weeks or 18 days, whatever it is, uh, for the World Baseball Classic. I don't think that was real high on his agenda. Yeah, And I would think that Gunnar Henderson would be sort of in the same camp 
that, uh, you know, but again, I'm not sure how much pressure MLB can put on players or, you know, to, to, to play in this thing or not. But it's not surprising that neither of them, despite the fact they're the two hottest, you know, two great, great prospects, probably number one and number two, although Rutschman's not technically a prospect anymore, uh, that they would want to be in camp with their team. Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense to you, me, and I think everybody else around the Orioles. So now speaking of the Orioles, um, ownership, they were they were in a nasty lawsuit. The Angelos family has settled their lawsuits out of this out of court. I don't know what happened there, Santa. I'm not sure if you know or not. What what does this mean for the team moving forward, for the future of the franchise? Do we have any idea what led to the settlement of this lawsuit? I'm not exactly sure uh, what took place, whether it was an individual, whether the commissioner of baseball urged them or a lawyer that they, you know, that they trust or something. It was not a good look at all. Uh, and it was not something, you know, without this now, John Angelus doesn't get a, an awkward question at press conferences. You know, yeah. uh, it was, it was good to put it behind them. I'm personally, I know John and Lewis a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm fairly friendly with John, uh, not particularly friendly with Lewis. I'm happy for the family because mm-hmm. it's an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate look, you know, uh, and I'm sure Georgia Angelos is really happy that she's been able to put something like this behind and, and maybe, you know, start to repair a relationship with one of her sons. Now, anything that we say about my next question is speculative, of course, but do you think that that contentious prof, uh, um, press conference a few weeks back had anything to do with them settling, maybe to kind of control some embarrassment coming towards the family? Not not sure at all uh, whether that played into it, but it certainly wasn't a good look when you're doing something charitable like that to end, end up allowing that, uh, to, to, you know, sort of steal the stage, so to speak, uh, and then lead to an article, an unfortunate article that Dan Connolly wrote. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that, uh, I think you're spot on with that, that it, it, it did. It's people aren't talking about the charitable contributions from that. They're talking about what happened with that, uh, confrontation there. And so I think that getting this lawsuit yeah. under wraps is something that was important moving forward. Now, does, do you think yeah. that the next thing that could be in line with that is per- potentially the mass in dispute. We know that the Nationals are looking to sell and change ownership. The Orioles are rumored to be on the market. We don't know that for sure, but there are, there are rumors. I also heard rumors that they could just sell the majority and still be minority owners or still hold the majority but sell a, a good chunk of their ownership. I, I, I don't I don't think the two, the, the two settlements are in the same boat, you know. And in fact, there was news yesterday, and I happened to talk to a very good friend of mine, Marty Conway, who's a sports business uh, professor at Georgetown. I just was driving around yesterday and I heard the news that Major League Baseball is prepared to take over the local TV rights of as many as 21 teams because Diamond, uh, I forget what it's called, Diamond TV or something, Mm -hmm. the Sinclair RSNs, uh, they're they're virtually on bankrupt. And really? what this, what this is very interesting because the Angelos had been, the Angelos had been, or Peter especially had been vilified 
for well, why why can't they pay uh, the Nationals a larger rights? It's ridiculous that the Angels are getting eighty million dollars and the Nationals are getting twenty one million dollars or eighteen million dollars. Well, this proves that those eighty million you know eighty million dollar a year uh, payments that they're getting from RSNs like Sinclair's and Fox's and Comcast, uh, they weren't sustainable. So they actually make the Orioles' position, in my opinion, and I've got to talk to Marty again, uh, to me they make it the Orioles' position look much more like what should be the mainstream because those teams right now, these 21 teams, they don't know where their TV money is actually going to come in and how much of it they're going to be able to get. And so are you saying that you think that the Orioles might be included amongst one of these 21 teams? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to stay no. with you here. No, no, no. Okay. not at all. Not at all. That Masson's finances are more in line with what, what teams should properly make for their TV rights. Sure. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's now been proven that 21 other teams were being grossly overpaid uh, because of the timing of Sinclair going into those markets and buying up all those RSNs from Fox. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah, so people think people tend to think that this money just exists. You know that uh, uh, Sinclair is paying the Angels eighty million dollars a year in television rights, and they don't stop to think, well, where are they getting the eighty million dollars from? Right. Well, a lot of people start to cut cords. And those those rates are unsustainable now in terms of the the revenue that TV rights bring bring in, and it doesn't make the Orioles' supposed hundred million dollar debt to the Nationals look all that significant when you have a, a broadcast entity like Sinclair's television uh, RSN division declaring basically on the verge of declaring bankruptcy. And owing teams five hundred, eight hundred million dollars, whatever the length mm. of their TV deals are, you know. Yeah, it, so it's, it's, I think it's very interesting. I don't see, I don't see a settlement down the pipe on that for a good while. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that's been hanging over both teams for a while, and it seems like it's probably going to continue yeah. for a while, based on what you're saying. Yeah. Now, uh, spring training stand, um, pitchers and catchers report on, I believe it's on Thursday on the 16th, uh, with their first workout yeah. on Friday the 17th, and then the first full squad workouts, I believe, are February 21st. Do you get excited when spring training starts, or does it have to be March and they're playing exhibition games, or the regular season to kind of get your juices flowing, and do you have your annual trip planned for Sarasota? Yep, I'll be down there March 7th through the 15th. Uh, just booked my car yesterday. Uh, they seem to want to really book you on uh, Teslas now, mm. you know. Uh, and they give you a 300-mile battery charge, you know, so you got a full charge. And my wife and I were disputing whether I would drive that much because I wasn't comfortable and she says, well, there's 184 charging stations down there. I said, for a city that, uh, I'm not saying Sarasota is, you know, as big as New York or Chicago, mm-hmm. but that doesn't sound like a lot of charging stations to me when I've got a limit on miles. And if I decide to drive down to visit a friend in Fort Myers on an off day, all of a sudden, so it was a big decision. And I went with the regular car. 
uh, I get excited as soon as players start to uh, arrive in spring training. Yeah, I do I'm doing too. A lot of my, I'm doing a lot of my fantasy baseball research now on prospects, and uh, I, it gets gets my mind churning, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. It makes you think of spring, and then once spring training starts, it feels like oh, we got another six weeks. It goes by fast, and then the next thing you know, they're playing yep. regular season games. So I'm I'm yep. I'm excited also, Stan. What 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 do you got coming up yeah. uh, the rest of this week before we let you go? Uh, Thursday night, Gary Stein and I will have CIAA Commissioner Jackie McWilliams uh, and visit Baltimore's Al Hutchinson on the Zoom talking about the CIAA tournament that's going to be uh, at the newly re- revived uh, uh, arena. That is, I forget the name of it right now. I think it's CFG, uh, CFG Bank uh, Arena. So uh, I'm excited about that. Don't have my baseball guests lined up yet. All right. All right. No, no worries, Stan. Well, we we are uh, we're looking forward to spring training just like you are. We'll be sure to tune into your shows, yep. and we'll talk to you next Saturday. All right. All right. Look forward to it, guys. Have a talk great to weekend. You soon. See you. And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This past week, Stan and Gary caught up with UMBC basketball coach Jim Ferry. You can find that show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Um, Stan is going to be back on Monday night with Ross guest to be determined so stay tuned for that i did go to spring training one time it was in you tw- did. it was in 2021 the trip was awful <laughs> it was absolutely awful um i mean you're in florida in march so that was cool true but we've actually the person who was the manager of the bar that we went to after the orioles game that we went to down there is from edgewood Wow, he was ra- randomly from Edgewood, and he Small asked. World. He asked my wife and I why we still live in Harford County, and I said, well, "It's home," you know. But he told us that the two days that we were down there were the worst weather they had the entire off season. <laughs> the entire <laughs> that's terrible. The entire fall and winter, the two days that we were down there were the two worst well, weather days. It was overcast and about sixty degrees both days. We packed clothes for spring and summer type weather. Like for mm. example. I went down last year to Florida to play in that Sunshine uh, Tournament about two weeks earlier than we went down the year before uh, for spring training, and it was 85 to 90 degrees every single day that I was down there. We were down there. It was 30 degrees colder. Yeah. No, I I have a spring training story to beat that, I think. Uh, Well, hold on. Before you tell your story, I didn't pack a jacket. My wife did, so she was fine. I'm in shorts and short sleeves. Under an overhang yeah. in, uh, in Ed Smith Stadium <laughs> on an overcast day where it's, again, 60 degrees and uh, windy, I was freezing. I was 60 degrees with that much wind in Sarasota and it's over, no sunshine and you're under shade, which doesn't make sense. If there's if there were sunshine, we would have been in shade. Mm-hmm, so it's cooler mm-hmm. where we were. It was almost unbearable. I don't know how I, how I managed to get through the whole game. And then our hotel... <laughs> there were um, bugs oh. everywhere. There were sta- oh. there were stains on the floor. There were stains on our pillowcases and stains on the couch. What, what kind of hotel was it? It was. They're not going to hear. It was a La Quinta. The oh, La Quinta okay. in Sarasota. Yeah, they can be well, hit or miss. Well, well, look. So we bought tickets 
for the, the only money that we spent because we used her father's miles to get down there and her mm-hmm. father's miles to get back because he had to, because of COVID he had all these extra miles built up and he had to use them somehow before they expired. We used those miles to get there and get back, and we used um, and so we we got the cheapest hotel we could find and we got the cheapest tickets we could find, and so we really only spent like eighty bucks. Wow, out of our own each out of our pocket for that yeah. for that stuff. Um, we we should have splurged for a better hotel. We one hundred percent should have splurged for a better. There is nothing hotel. worse than bugs. There is nothing worse. I mean, yeah, it was you, disgusting. You don't want that. It, it was there, disgusting. There weren't bed bugs, were there? It was just no, right. no, okay. no. Right, they they were good. like those little um, um, they kind of look like like a like a hybrid between cockroaches and oh. and lightning bugs. I think they're called water bugs That's or whatever. They, disgusting. They, they're about the size of a lightning bug, but they don't have they don't light up. Okay. It was gross. It was cooler if they light up, right? It was was gross. Now, it wasn't like a swarm of them. It wasn't like an infestation, but they were, Mm -hmm. we probably saw five or six in the day, the two days that we were there. It was, it was gross. It was disgusting. But anyway, we actually got to get a break. We got to get our break before we get Ryan Ripken on the show. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. I want to remind you that Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back, Ryan Ripken joins us on the Battle Round. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Again, today's show is brought to you by Press Box Offers. Uh, baseball betting is here. You can bet $5 with DraftKings and get $200 in instant bonus bets, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com offers. Baseball future bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com offers now for your shot at winning big. And someone who's winning big in the sports broadcasting market is our next guest. He is Ryan Ripken. He's live with us now on the Bat Around. Good morning, Ryan. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this Saturday morning? We are doing really well, especially with the fact that spring training is getting started this uh, this coming week. Um, and we mentioned that you're kind of making some strides here in the Baltimore sports market, Ryan. You just signed up to be part of base- Baltimore baseball tonight for 105.7 The Fan. What is your role? How often are you going to be on it? Uh, do you have a chance to work with everyone, or do you have a kind of a partner, so to speak, um, for the season? Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, the, I think it's going to be a rotation, but with Jim Hunter, Mike Bordick, and myself, and, and uh, Haney's going to be, uh, the the person facilitating it all and, and how it all works out or if a couple of us match up is, I guess, to be determined. But uh, the cool thing is for every home game, we're going to be right down at Pickles. And, and honestly, that was something I never got to experience, you know, the last, you know, really 10 years of my life of, you know, whether it's college baseball or going uh, into professional baseball. So get to be in around near the stadium and, and near fans and the atmosphere is going to be really exciting, especially with how exciting uh, everything is with the Orioles right now. Uh, yeah, it's super exciting with the Orioles. Two of the better young players in the game, Natalie Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. Uh, you've got talent all around the, 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 the roster, and they are deep. They're deep in just about every aspect of the team. You mentioned that for the last 10 years that you haven't really gotten to experience what it's like. Um, this is your first spring in quite a while where you're not going to be down in Florida as a player. Um, do you? Are you getting excited? Is the excitement a little bit different than it was when you were a player? How does it compare now that you're on the other side of things? Well, you definitely miss playing. You know, it's still in the back of my mind, it's, I'm ready to go, and, and you see all these videos of, of guys training and, and ready to embark on on this another season. So you miss that component, the competitor, and you misses it. But, you know, it's exciting for this, this whole new world, right? And and now to take a step back and see from a whole different perspective and, and really, you know, get to enjoy other aspects. And, you know, now, now I get to be on the other side of uh, you know getting to be a fan of the game and not necessarily having to be involved in you know, all the, even though it is a game, there is a business to the game. It's your livelihood. So it's definitely a, a way different perspective. 
Well, Ryan, if you have that itch to play, I play for the Independent Orioles up in Harford County on Sunday mornings, man. You can come over. We need a player. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there for you, man. All right, don't, don't, don't tempt me. You know, to <laughs> see how the next couple months go, but uh, I'm still uh, uh, keeping up with, uh, you know, trying to stay in shape. I haven't swung a bat in a little bit, so that might take some time. But, but don't tempt me with a good time. Oh man, you would, you would, you could, you could roll out of bed and and play in this league, my man. I'm I'm telling you that right now. Now, uh, do you have any trips to Sarasota planned uh, for this spring? So there are some things in the works that um, you know I'm not exactly sure how it entails, but um, I don't want to give anything away right now. But I think there's there could be some more possibilities for me this spring and and. Uh, I also do have family living in Sarasota, so I already have the incentive to go down, but might be able to go down on a, on a different level. And, and uh, I would love to be able to not only go down there for spring training because I just think it's a great time, but you know, hopefully be able to, uh, to check out how uh, the team's looking as they get ready for uh, opening day. Yeah, it it certainly is an exciting time of year. I, I hope you do get to go down and experience it from a not from more of a fan perspective um, this time around because it, it gives you an opportunity to see things that maybe you weren't able to do in the past. Although you've done plenty of things down there that guys like Zach and I haven't been able to do in the past. So um, now we asked you some questions about this team when we had you on the show for the first time back in November. I'm going to go through those questions and see some updates that you may have. We asked you about what liftoff might mean to the Orioles and what it means to you. We found out a few weeks after we had you on the show what liftoff meant. It was a gradual increase in payroll, but no big splashes. Is that kind of what you figured would happen with this team uh, in the offseason? Uh, I did. I did. I thought that, you know, I thought the Orioles would be aggressive in looking. And I think probably to everyone else, they're saying, well, wait a minute, you know, there was no big splash. There's no big signing. And, and the Orioles, they're, they're looking at value and the value wasn't there. And you saw how large some of these contracts were that mm-hmm. were being given out. And as you've seen some of the other moves that they made, I thought they've been tremendous value moves. And even though they aren't the big splash moves, the team has gotten better, and you still want to build around that young nucleus, give them a chance. So I really thought always it was going to be a year away for the, you know, the maybe the bigger moves, but not surprised at all with how the Orioles offseason has gone. Well, then we asked you, um, they won 83 games last year. They finished three games out of a wild card spot. We asked you what they needed to do to get better and earn a playoff spot in 2023. And what the bigger priority was for you was starting pitcher or a middle-of-the-order bat. They added Cole Irvin through a trade. They added Kyle Gibson by signing him as a free agent. And they added Adam Frazier to play second base, at least to start the year. And backup catcher James McCann, which is maybe my favorite move of the offseason. When you uh, pair all those with the addition of Michael Givens to that bullpen, did they do enough to get better to the point where now they could, they are in your mind, a, a true contender for a playoff spot in 2023? Well, so the, the biggest part is, you know, like I just said, that we're, you're, we're working or we, the team's working on trying to get better, you know, and, and add depth and add veteran presence. And, and the players that you just listed made the team better. It makes your, your lineup better. It gives you more flexibility now, the biggest thing, though, for this team to have success this upcoming season is the development of the young players. It's going to be some of the rookies, you know, is Gunnar Henderson, who I think who I, who I think so highly of, and a lot mm-hmm. of people do, is he going to be the, the next rookie of the year, the All-Stars? Grayson Rodriguez is going to debut, and then you have all the guys that 
the Kyle Bradishes, the Dean Kramers, can they continue to build off of what they finished up with last season? And I think if you see the young players continue to do what they showed, especially towards the end, that to me is going to be a bigger indication if this team is going to make the playoffs because I think the veterans that they brought in will do their part to help, Mm -hmm. but this team is young and it's going to take those young players to continue to get better to uh, for the Orioles to make the postseason. Well, and they they did bring in uh, Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson, two pitchers that mm-hmm. the ballpark plays to their strengths, right? And so you look yep. at you look at that. The Orioles they can be as good as they want to be offensively, but they've got a pitch to stay in this thing. And it looks like they have, as Mike Elias said a couple of weeks ago, it looks like they have about twelve guys. For that, that can compete for rotation spots. You know, Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson are going to be in that rotation. He said he expects Grayson yep. Rodriguez to make the rotation out of spring training, which would really. And then if you figure uh, you have Kyle Bradish has to be a front runner for a spot, and Dean Kramer as well. Is there really a competition in your mind, or is it really kind of set and they just aren't saying it right now? Well, I think things are going to be fluid. And, and honestly, you got to see how guys look in spring training for, for some of the other names, even though I know that they're we – know, we know the the prospects of Grayson Rodriguez, and I've seen it up close and personal. But then you wonder if, there's any, if there were some struggles, would there be a hesitation? And also, if there's an injury. There's a lot of things that go into, but here's the thing that you just mentioned. The Orioles do have a lot of options. There are going to be staples. Gibson and Irving have proved – that they are reliable arms in the big league, and you need that. And then you had guys like Kramer and Bradish that that had uh, that showed what they're capable of doing. So it, it's an exciting time, but I don't think it's set in stone to say that the race is over, just because there's so much that happens, you know, in the six weeks going down there. Um, but it's really exciting, you know. I, I really hope when you just listed like Grayson Rodriguez gets me excited because, you know, I, I I want him to stay healthy and I want him to get off to a good start. Um, especially to his MLB career. Yeah, it's we're all looking forward to what Grayson Rodriguez can do in a major league rotation. We really feel like he has nothing left to, to prove uh, at the minor league level, so it's exciting to see him potentially get that opportunity from the jump this year. You mentioned Gunnar Henderson talking about the excitement of this team and the Orioles. that We talked about with you back in November, their infield roster crunch, and you, now you look at Gunnar Henderson is the consensus number one overall prospect in baseball in almost every single listing except for maybe one. Uh, Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, they're all on various top 100 prospects lists. And then you have Ramona Rios, who won a gold glove at third base and didn't make an error at second base. Uh, Jorge Mateo, the Fielding Bible Award winner at shortstop last year, despite not even being a finalist for the gold glove. But his offense is significantly lacking. We're looking at this team now. I'm uh, Frankly, I'm surprised nobody was traded from that group except for Daryl Hernandez um, for Cole Irvin. What is your expectations for this infield now that we're a little bit closer to spring training and a lot of these guys are still here? You know, I, I think it's gonna, things are going to play out early, but then I, I wouldn't be surprised as the season goes on that there would be moves, that there, that there would be trades, just because what you're saying, that there's, there's only so many players that can play on the field at one time. Mm. And I think the Orioles, it's a luxury to have the amount of players and talented players that you have, both that are in the major leagues and knocking on the door, you know, in, in, uh, in the minors. And so what, you, what, what I expect to happen 
is that someone eventually will. But I will say as far as – I know you talked about Torrey Mateo and his offense. Mateo showed flashes in the second half. So mm-hmm. it was capable. So you're going to be curious. If he gets off to even a solid start, that's going to be a plus for the team. But it, it, I feel like something's got to give. And, and again, if the, Ra- if the Ravens, if the Orioles are not going to go out and spend big money, the best way to do that is to use your assets. And the Orioles right. have a ton of assets to go out and make a move, especially if the team is pushing for a playoff spot and you're in the middle of the summer. I could definitely see one of those guys being involved in a, in a big trade. Yeah, John Morose, he was on MLB Network last week, and he was talking about how he expects the Orioles to be a legitimate contender for the postseason this year, and he expects them, if they're close, to be buyers at the deadline. It sounds like you're on the same page. Yep, yep. I, I, I think that, that now is the time for that, but you also want to see how your young guys develop. And, and again, this is, you know, being around sports so much, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you could have things penciled in, guys get injured, you need the depth, uh, What maybe a guy doesn't live up to expectations, and then another guy steps in. So having these options is going to give the Orioles a lot of flexibility, and it might not feel great at the moment, but this is the best way for the Orioles to have success moving forward. And it's an exciting thing. And, and um, you know, I'm curious to see how it all shapes up. But, but make no mistake, uh, Gunnar Henderson is going to be the one that's going to be leading that group um, no matter what. He will be the staple and cornerstone, hopefully, for years to come. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that when Adley Rutschman's on the roster. And, and, and you know, it's true. Catchers don't really kind of get the, the same fanfare that a guy like Gunnar Henderson would get. Um, when you look at those two players, is there? Can you think of maybe a better tandem in the game right now, as far as young prospects who don't have a full season under their belts? I know that that's kind of a, 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 a put you on the spot question. Yeah, no, I mean I'd have to go and look about look around, but as far as young, uh, uh, if you're going to ask DMs and teams of two guys to build your roster around moving forward. You know, Gunner and Adley have to be in that conversation as being the duo, and and you know, I and I haven't talked as much about Adley on this, and it's not because I think extremely highly of Adley. It's sure. and and he is everything is advertised, and I think that's why that that's the expectation. You know, Gunner, yes, he was a high draft pick, but he developed into the top prospect. Adley already had the expectations coming in, but now here we are. The catching position is so extremely important, and, and what he brings offensively and as well as his defensive, um, his, what he brings defensively behind the plate, it makes the whole team better. And then Gunnar Henderson, the sky really is the limit. So yeah. to, to, to answer the full question, you know, if it's me right now, you, it's hard to pass up choosing those two players when you're looking at a young nucleus for the next 10 years. Sure, and, and, and let's make no mistake, I wasn't uh, trying to accuse you of selling Adley short. You look at a team like the Phillies, for example, and JT Realmuto is maybe the best catcher in baseball at this point in time, right. and they talk about Bryce, they'll talk about Bryce Harper and Trey Turner before they'll talk about JT Realmuto. So I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Gunnar Henderson is one of those guys who turns into a superstar and is polarizing, and Adley's that guy yeah. who shows up every day and just plays, you know? And, and he and he already and he already is the superstar, you know. Yeah. And and that was what everyone was expecting him to be when, when um when Adley was drafted. And that's the that's the exciting part of um, where this all is going. That the, that the Orioles could have two superstars on their hands. Uh, it's it's exciting, Ryan. It, it, it gets my blood flowing. 
when I when I when I hear you talk about that. Now, uh, before we let you go, what else you got coming up? What do you want to plug for us on the show? Well, um, honestly, just uh, really excited about the spring. Just got a, a, a lot of things for me personally going on. Having a podcast that's being launched personally, and and I and obviously with the one hundred five seven news. And there could be more, you know, that's why I didn't want to give away with anything with, with, uh, the spring training, but, sure. um, there should be more for me coming on in 2023. And, and I look forward to trying to give more of my perspective, uh, as this, as the season goes on, but, uh, just like everyone else, just really excited for baseball to be right around the corner. Ryan, we certainly look forward to getting your perspective throughout the season. Thank you for taking some time for us here on a Saturday morning. We will talk to you again down the line. All right. Of course. You guys have a great rest of your day. You do the same. That was Ryan Ripken joining us live on the bat around with his with great perspective and and great insight into what goes into going down there. You know, the six weeks that they're going to be down in spring training and the excitement around the team. And you could feel it in him. It's palpable. Like a guy like Ryan, who this is his first year not going down to spring training as a player in quite some time, and he's still just as excited about this season. I think that we're all around Baltimore are excited for what this team can be, what they can do, and it's only up from here. And honestly, that's what liftoff really means, is that from here, it's they're only going to get better and better and better. And it shows when they have 11 different players who are listed in various top 100 prospects lists. It, th- this team is going to be good and good for what seems like a long time. So I'm for sure excited about it. Look, we got to catch another break. Um, we do have Luke Jackson waiting in the wings to come in here and do our little round table. I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by our best of issue of press box. These are the final days for you to pick up the best of issue of press box on the cover. We recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gavis sports person of the year. He sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the birds turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And coming this week, a new print issue featuring Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson on the cover. And believe it or not, it is coincidental that Luke Jackson did the cover story on Gunnar Henderson, and he is joining us in studio next on The Batter Round. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has up their game. They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. It's a great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Uh, joining us in studio is our press box editor, Luke Jackson. And we're going to get to Luke here in just a moment. But we do have a sounding off segment for you with Zach. I have no idea what it is. He didn't want to tell me because he wanted to get my actual reaction to it. I want to remind you, sounding off with Zach Goodman is brought to you by helpmygamblingproblem.org. Gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. That's helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Zach, what do you got for us? So I want to pose this to both of you guys. Um, If you guys had to guess who the most improved three teams were of the offseason, as of last month, this article was written last month, unfortunately. But if you had to guess who the three most improved teams were, who would you guess? You, I'll go first. I'm going to say the Angels, the Cubs, okay, and the Rangers. Okay. That sounds fair. See, if Bryce Harper was healthy, I would have said the Phillies because I love them getting Trey Turner. Yeah. Okay. And adding him, I think, will make a huge difference for them. But since Bryce is going to miss half the season, that kind of balances out. So. I think that kind of keeps them – getting Trey Turner, though, kind of keeps them on par with right. where they were last year until Harper gets back, and then they can take That was out. my favorite free agent fit of the uh, yeah, winter. But also, okay. Yeah. So, Luke, who do you have? I think his sounded about, about Okay. Right. The third. So, you guys got two or three. Uh, the the Cubs were number one. Uh, okay. They had a net gain of 8.7 WAR uh, okay. so far this offseason. The Angels were number three. They've gained 7.3 WAR this offseason, and the Mets came in at number two at eight WAR uh, this so offseason. They, they, they expect so, the Mets to win 110, let, 109 really? games this so, year. So let me explain how they how they did these calculations. This was a Fangraphs article, um, and let me pull up the author's name here so I can credit them. It was Ben Clemens wrote this okay. um, in January. So not all of these moves are totally up to date, but I thought this. Was was a really cool way to basically quantify off seasons and say this is how much better a team got this is what they might do next year um so those were the top three as i mentioned but the for the mets for example they lost 18.2 mm-hmm. war they lost 18.2 obviously to grom there's a lot of other guys that departed but they gained 26.1 obviously justin verlander being a massive part of that and those were the two biggest numbers on the board here 
by a wide margin. Um, for Where example, are the Orioles falling? So the Orioles came in at number six, actually, okay. as the sixth most improved team. Uh, and they came in with a three-war gain and negative, negative one-war loss. So essentially a negative positive. Um, they... Addition by subtraction, if you know okay. what I mean. They uh, lost because they got rid of Ruth Nightingale. Exactly. They lost. Chir- <laughs> they lost Chirinos. They lost guys who had negative WAR. So it's addition by subtraction, if you get what gotcha. I mean by that. Um, for example, the Mets didn't have addition by subtraction. They actually lost that eighteen point two. But there's mm-hmm. a negative sign in front of, the, of some of these teams because it was addition by subtraction. That makes sense. Well, and, and, um, and it goes to kind of prove what we've been saying for the last month or so that the whole for the Orioles this offseason is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. no individual player made them particularly better, but when you look at everybody that's been added, they are a lot better than yeah. they were four months ago. And this isn't recent enough to include Cole Irvin either, which I think okay. is okay. really interesting. So there's True. some there's some moves in here that, you know, the Orioles probably jumped up even more because you're adding what? I think Cole Irvin was 1.9 more last year, maybe around two. Yeah, he's like a league average starter. Yeah, yeah. league average three or four starter, uh, maybe even you know back of that rotation five. But you look at the bottom of the list, and this is what I thought was really interesting, and, and again, why this is so... Uh, it's great to quantify the stuff. The Dodgers are the the least improved team. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a net of negative fourteen point three. Mm-hmm. So they lost twenty one point three and have gained six point nine. So do they so, think that the Padres have a real chance to win that division? Uh so that wasn't really clear. So yeah. th- this article actually was about the Dodgers. Th- that's okay. what this article is about, mm-hmm. and they they put every team on here just to just to show. But obviously, losing Trey Turner is a huge part of this. Mm-hmm. That's it. They lost again twenty one point three and just. Justin Turner and Justin right. Turner, um, and you know the, it's going to be an uphill climb for them, I guess, uh, to to replace those guys. But the White Sox were the second uh, least improved team at negative ten point one. They had the most befuddling move of the off season for me. What was that? They guaranteed Mike Clevenger twelve million dollars. Yeah, that. <laughs> now he has that domestic violence thing. Yeah, coming, so they might I, he him. might be on the commissioner's exempt list, or right. whatever, But. And then well, the, it, that's another addition by subtraction because Tony Larus is gone. Oh, there you go. That's true. Uh, and then they came in. The Braves came in right in front of them at negative six point one. So those were your three bottom teams um, who have kind of struggled this offseason. And then there's a few negatives, and it gets into the positive section at the Blue Jays at point seven. They kind of earned that middle well, of the pack. See, I, I look at teams like that though. You mentioned the Blue Jays, and then you mentioned the Braves mm-hmm. and the Dodgers, and what was the other team again? I'm, I'm, I'm the White Sox. The White Sox. And I look at their rosters, and they're still so talented right. yeah. that. Yeah, maybe they lost a couple of players, but they're still so talented they could afford to lose those players. I mean, you had the Dodgers, for, it seems like the last five or six years, on any given night could have a 30 home run guy sitting on their bench. Yeah. You know, you know, they're yeah. so deep. Their starting rotation is so deep. We can, I was going to say, we can't forget Tyler Anderson, too. That's yeah. another big piece that they lost. Yeah, he went to the Angels, right? I believe so. And the Angels, I mean, that's part of why they're they're yeah. so improved. Um, and you, you hope honestly for the Angels. Like I, I, Mike, I have Mike, to hope. Mike, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, yeah. but more so Mike Trout deserves to be in the postseason. He's too. I mean, the guy was second in the American League in home runs last year, and he missed forty games. Right. Right. I, I, I think he missed sixty games actually. Yeah, and a number of people made the observation that they've seen Mike Trout at more playoff football games. Than yeah. Playoff baseball game. So, so, so we got to change that. Clemens does note that Fangraphs does have the Padres slightly favored over the Dodgers right now. But obviously, again, this was a little while ago. Things could have changed. Uh, but I don't think there have been two really drastic moves, um, you know, between these two teams well, I that mean, would change that at this point. The, the Padres pa- still they, probably favored. They've got Xander Bogarts instead of Kim playing shortstop. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, they're, they're going to have Fernando Tatis back in that lap, and you're hoping he's still the player that he was before he went down. And then the you think he's going to play center? Engine. 
Probably. I, a center center or right, he's got a cannon for an arm. And honestly, he's not a great defensive shortstop. Right. So moving him and then having Xander Bogart, who is actually uh, one of the league leaders in defensive runs, saved his shortstop last year, despite yeah. not being one of those guys previously in his career. They're far improved team. They just signed you Darvish to that to that big extension. What was the rush on that, by the way? The, the U Darvish deal. I <laughs> have no idea. Isn't he like 35 years old? He's going to be 42 years old at the end of this contract. Yeah. Like what? I mean, this was one of the most confusing contracts I've ever seen. Did, I mean, the only thing I could think of is the owner loves him and just yeah. didn't want him to leave. Yeah, I, like, I mean, he's really good. Hey, that's true. That's true. And then you, when when you look at guys like Verlander and Scherzer, who are you know either pushing 40 or beyond 40 years still old. Still very productive. And they're yeah. still very productive. And Verlander's case, he won the Cy Young. Yeah, and, and Max Scherzer last year, and not not last year, the year before, his first year with the Mets posted. Was last year his first year with the last Mets? Last year was his first yeah. year with Okay, the Mets. I, I couldn't remember. It, it, all, it all bleeds together for me. <laughs> right. But it was the lowest ERA of his career last year. Now, mm-hmm. he had his struggle staying on the field, but posted the lowest ERA of his career last year. And he's, what, 40 years old? Right. So... Maybe a guy like you, Darvis, are like, look, the injuries are behind him now, and this is a guy who we think can be like a Verlander and a Scherzer in the sense that he can stay healthy and productive. In uh, his although I think one of the concerns with Darvish with the contract is that he had a big, big workload in Japan yeah. as well. Although he's had some, like, he's had Tommy John surgery since then, so maybe mm-hmm. he has a fresh arm. I don't know. But uh, that was a kind of a confusing one. And then I know Ken Rosenthal was talking about that he thinks the Padres are going to give Manny Machado a huge extension because he can, saw op- that. He can opt out after this right. year. So you know maybe that's something down the pike for them because he, that's obviously been a great fit. That's well, a pretty good left side, you think? Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe just a little bit. And they, pretty, uh, they, they clearly do not care about how much money they spend. You know, and, and just just like the Mets, the, the salary, mm-hmm. the 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 luxury tax threshold to these teams that really are in it and really want to yeah. want to get there by spending money. You look at the Orioles; they know that they're going to have to get there by by developing their prospects, and right. so mm-hmm. far they've been able to do that uh, as far as getting all these guys in top 100 lists. Um, but you look at teams like the Mets and the Padres; the luxury tax threshold, they don't care. Because if they win a World yeah. Series, it's worth it. So that's what I found interesting. One other thing about this article is that the Dodgers were actually, at the time of this article, projected to come in under uh, the luxury tax threshold, which would be probably the first time in, what, five years? It's been, they've been over it. Do you think the Dodgers are preparing for a huge Shohei Otani contract Ooh. offer? I know the Mets are. The Mets, yeah, the Mets got to be. I I think the Dodgers are going to be up I there. I imagine there's only like three or four teams that can realistically Yankees, afford a $50 maybe Red million dollar a yeah. year player yeah. or we'll go if that if he ends up in new york i might i might jump off this roof <laughs> not actually guys. i think I, you might survive the, jumping off this roof. The, you, you, I, want, <laughs> I, want possibility. I just want to break my ankle to, to, to feel something no uh, yeah. luke, luke looked very concerned when i said that i'm just i'm just joking i'm not okay. gonna i'm not gonna jump off the, the, roof. the roof isn't that high. i was gonna yeah. say it's probably only like i don't know nine, oh, man, nine, nine ten feet luke's facial it. expression was so like devastating it made me feel bad immediately for saying well it. i thought he was really gonna do it yeah <laughs> um no it's like it was, the seinfeld episode newman's <laughs> jumping off the roof oh my gosh oh he did he actually jumped <laughs> how about the, how about the, he yeah. actually jumped how about the office episode where michael's up on the top of the roof he's screaming my life <laughs> du- du- <laughs> dwight you ignorant <laughs> slut um and you, you mentioned manny machado and it brings me to Gunnar Henderson. Okay. And we mm-hmm. had we had Keith Law on the show last week. Zach was not here, unfortunately, for that. It was an excellent, a fun conversation yeah. with, with Keith Law. And um, you'll see him we, at Aberdeen from time to time. Yeah, I mean, he lives right in Wilmington. Yeah. Yep. And um, it, it, he gets some bad some bad pub around here. But 
I like him. Okay. I like Keith Law, and he, he doesn't take himself too seriously. And like he every team he he thinks every team hates him. Or every team thinks he hates right. them is what I meant to True. say. So like he, he was he provided a lot of levity into the show that already has a lot of levity anyway. But he was talking about how I asked him to compare Gunnar Henderson to Manny Machado because he had said to us. He thinks Gunner this year is going to be that guy that hits just a ton of doubles, uh, really has great bat-to-ball skills, and is going to hit for high average. Yeah. Not a gr- not a ton of power, maybe 15 to 18 home runs, mm-hmm. but he might hit 40 or 50 doubles. Um, and I said, and he said the power he thinks will come later. I said, well, that sounds like Manny Machado to me. You think he can be an elite defender at third base? Check. You think that he's going to hit 40 to 50 doubles this first full season like Manny did? Check. Yeah. And then the power's going to come later like Manny? Check. And he said he thinks that Manny is a superior player than Gunnar Henderson can be because Manny has that explosiveness yeah. to his game that Gunnar doesn't have. You spend a lot of time watching prospects, Luke, and watching minor league baseball mm-hmm. and, and major league baseball. Do you agree with that comparison? Uh, well, Manny is on track currently to be like one of the, I don't know, eight best third basemen ever. So that yeah. would be a pretty lofty comparison. Yeah. Like if you look at where he lists, you know, all time, he's right now with like, at least like 10 more years of career left. He's like 14 or 15th overall among third. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And just the way his body operates and the the velocity he can generate with all sorts of arm angles Mm -hmm. and how uh, loose he is. That's how, why he had to get his knees fixed early in his career Mm -hmm. because he was like so loose limbed and he can just do some, he's just, you can do so many special things on the, that's a lofty comparison. Mm -hmm. However, I did read Keith Law's, uh, his, Top twenty Orioles prospects, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't get had, a chance to read that. I and, meant to. And he had uh, the capsules for each of them, and he did drop a very lofty comp on Gunnar Henderson. It wasn't Manny Machado? It was Scott Rowland. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. That would be pretty good. Yeah, that that would work for uh, I, everyone. I, see, the thing is, but he said that on the show last week, and for some reason, for some reason, when I hear Scott Rowland, I immediately think of Pat Burrell. I, I, you I, might be the only one, but it's because they, they <laughs> play the bat. Pat the Bat, and they right, okay. they, right. they played together, but I wasn't a big Pat the Bat fan, and I especially, I, I did see a funny interaction. I went to an Orioles game one time, and after the game, we were sitting at the home plate concourse waiting for the players to come out, and Pat Burrell happens to come out, and this woman's like, Pat, I'm a huge fan of yours. I remember a few years back when you were in the Home Run Derby, and you won it. He goes, I didn't win the Home Run Derby. I've never been in the Home Run Derby. She goes, yes, you were. He goes... <laughs> no, I wasn't. And I'm like, this woman just tried to tell Pat Burrell that he did something that he is saying he didn't do. Like, he did not compete in the home run. It, it was just funny to me. But other than that, I've never been too keen on him. So anytime I hear Scott Rowland, phenomenal player. And I, and I have to remind myself by looking at his stats that he's not freaking Pat Burrell. Well, it's a crime that Pat stole that name from the real Pat the Bat Valeka. Oh, you're right. It's horrible. You're, you're absolutely what right. A crime. Now, Scott Rowland is a great comparison. One of the better defensive third basemen in the history of the game. Eight-time gold glove winner, I believe he was. Seven or eight. Seven or eight. Uh, And I know he was a seven or eight-time All-Star. Just got into the Hall of Fame. I think his war is approaching 80 for his career. I think he's like 76.9 or 72, 73, something like that. Something like that, yeah. He's like one of the ten best third basemen of all time. Yeah, Yeah, so he deserves to be where he is. Great comparison for Gunnar Henderson. That's the career he ends up having, and I know that we would love that here in Yeah, if Baltimore. he has that career, he's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I think he's going to make a lot of money regardless. <laughs> but um, you are doing the cover story. That's true. Um, and that's coming out this week for Press I, Box on Gunnar Henderson. Tell us a little bit about that and what went into I, it. I sent off the uh, paper to the printer yesterday, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, uh, I Stan uh, signed me the cover story on Gunnar Henderson. Uh, and so it's about a 2,800-word story on Gunnar. 
uh, and about his rise through the Orioles farm system, particularly from the alternate site to the major leagues, mm-hmm. uh, some of the uh, improvements that he made, how he developed, and what allowed him to develop, what earlier in life, how was he raised that allowed him to develop so quickly? Because he got to uh, the major leagues at age 21. Uh, it was just his third full year of pro ball, and really his second full year of pro ball with actual games. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, he wasn't even a full-time baseball player. He was. Yeah. He played basketball. He uh, he was a quarterback his first two years of high school. Uh, so and he actually early in life like played tennis. He did. He was a multi-sport guy, much like Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the similar themes uh, with the Rutschman story I did la- that came out last April. Great parents. Yeah. Great family. Raised him the right way. Uh, multi-sport guy. And when you combine their physical tools, their physical talents with how they were raised, it's kind of obvious to see why they are who they are. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you'll hear people say all the time, the best athletes, they don't focus on one sport. Mm-hmm. They play all sports, and it's better for you to go out there and play all sports You're not because it's better for your body. Right. Too. You, you, oh, to, absolutely. It helps you stay healthy. Absolutely. So a, a guy that plays baseball, like, a guy like me, I play golf. You know right. what I mean? But I play baseball nine months out of the nine, ten months out of the year. Now it's only one or two days a week max, but I don't play any other sports. And my shoulders hurt all the time. My hips hurt all the time. I'm also old, old AF, so um, that has something to do with it. But a guy like Gunnar Henderson, who played tennis and he played um, uh, football and basketball and baseball. He probably played volleyball and water polo and all all sorts of things. It's funny. I heard Gino Auriemma, the women's basketball coach at UConn, he's had a lot of injury issues this Mm -hmm. year, and he was asked why this year more than any. And he said, well, I think one of the reasons is that players don't play anything aside from basketball growing up. Yeah. And it's it's almost like uh, their bodies give out on them once they get to college. Mm-hmm. It's like it's crazy, but he, but he's like, look, I, when these kids grow up, they got to play other sports to first of all give them a break from basketball and work out other parts of their body, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and let me let me phrase this by saying, <laughs> or preface this by saying, I um, I don't compare myself to guys like like Gunnar Henderson. I'm just relating. Okay. When, when I say stuff like that, I don't consider myself to be anywhere near the level of athlete that a guy like Gunnar Henderson is. I just I try to relate to these things because I I, I know from my experience of playing sports growing up. But anyway, um, you mentioned Gunnar Henderson, the great family that he comes from, and he said in an interview earlier this year or maybe later la- late towards the end of last year, uh-huh. um, the best ability is availability, and it kind of gives you an insight into his his mindset and you look at him he walked a ton in 2021 mm-hmm. but he also struck out a ton and he saw that as a weakness in his game and so in the offseason that between 21 21 and 22 he worked on his plate discipline and then he ends up walking more than he struck out basically through the entire year except for when he was at triple a it it makes you think that he's never any weakness he has he can turn into a strength so it's funny that you mentioned the best availability is uh, best ability is availability thing. Uh, I don't think he's been on the IL since he's been an Oriole. If I'm not knock on wood, uh, so that's been a strength for his. And it's hard to develop when you're in the tub, so to speak. Yeah, and it's a lot. E- and you can make the kind of jump that he did when you're actually on the field, right? And you're able to apply your instruction and things like that. Uh, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I talked to his one of his travel ball coaches when during his high school years. And when he was in high school, he would play like 
a number of games on the weekend, like these tournaments and whatever. It, and like during the summer, it would be like eight to ten like per weekend and stuff like that, like crazy. I like I had to double check. I'm like, really? Is it? it yeah. Is this what you did? And he's like, yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm sure that weeds out who really loves baseball and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it does. Uh, and so. Uh, and, and that's what his travel ball coach says. He's like, never missed a game. Yeah. He's well, always available. Well, here's and, what he, No, sorry. I don't want go to ahead. go ahead, Luke. And, and so, so it sort of comes from that, I guess. It's, uh, that's, and when you, it's always starts early. Yeah. And so that's where it started for him. Great habits early. And yeah. he said that he, he sees a nutritionist every off season to see what's good for his body, what's bad for his body, and what he needs to work on so that he can be available yeah. for an entire 162 game season. I, I I guarantee if you asked him, he expects to start and play in every single game this year and if they make the postseason every single postseason game yeah. too. So I heard this the other day and I thought it'd be, you know, uh, applicable here. There are 32 million youth athlete injuries every year and which is an unreal number and you're seeing kids who are 11, 12 years old getting Tommy John right now. Mm. You know, in little league baseball they're playing. I mean, they're not it's it's unreal. The the culture I think that is it around youth sports right now? And and Luke is Luke brought this up. When you're only playing one sport and you're playing baseball, you know, five times a week, and you're throwing curveballs at 11 years old, and you've been doing that since you you were six. Things in your body just aren't going to work correctly, and, and things Dylan are going to go wrong so quick. Exactly, Dylan Bundy is is a perfect example of it. And I think the the culture of youth sports right now is so focused on, you know, trying to trying to build bodies better and, and make athletes more sustainable and that's probably that's the way we need to go and Gunnar Henderson's a great example of I guess uh success in that area so it's it's good to see that he, he's been incredibly durable so far yeah and there unfortunately there were a lot of stories I couldn't fit into the story the, the my cover story but mm-hmm. one was that like I said he played basketball in high school and he actually shattered two backboards with dunks in his high really? school. really one wow. was during a PE class when he stole the ball and then he had somebody on his back trying to block his shot and he ended up dunking, and there went the backboard. And the other was, like, he was trying to show off for his baseball coach with a dunk, broke the backboard. Wow. Now they have those breakaway so, rooms. I thought yeah. they had breakaway rooms back then, too, but maybe they just didn't. He went to Stoneman Douglas, right? No, that was no. Kobe Mayo. Oh, that was, you're right. That was, that was Kobe Mayo. My, my yeah. apologies. Yeah, so he went to Morgan Academy in Selma. Mo- Morgan Academy. Do they not have breakaway rooms? I don't know. In, I'll bet they do now. Hey, <laughs> they do now. I'll, yeah. bet, I'll bet they do now. Um, yeah, and you mentioned Gunner, and you mentioned uh, how he grew up, how he was raised, how great his parents are, and it leads me to D.L. Hall. Because okay. we all saw that documentary, that 20-minute documentary on D.L. Hall um, and how and his mindset and people telling him he can't do any do things are his biggest motivation to go out and prove them wrong and, and to, to achieve. Um, where do you put D.L. Hall? For me, he is a dark horse rookie of the year candidate. I think oh. I, I think his talent is special. As a reliever, you think? No. Okay. I, I, I think that, that he can be – I would not be surprised to see him replace somebody and in the Orioles rotation because I think that he ends up in Norfolk to start the year as a starting pitcher. I, I think he wants to be a starter. I think and, they want him to be a starter. And so I think they're aligned on that. And if that's the case, I would imagine that he'll start in Norfolk, like yeah. you said. Would you agree with that? Yeah. That I, to give yes. starting at least one more try uh, before right. going down the relief road? I, I think you've got to give him 10 starts in AAA to, and let him prove it 
That's mm-hmm. my opinion. Let him prove it and let him, you know, let, let's see that walks per nine number come down. Let's see that strikeout per nine number go up a little bit. Or maybe, honestly, I, I, would, I, wouldn't, need to go up. I wouldn't hate to see it come down either, actually, because that means he's probably, you know, a little more in control and pitching contact a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't hate that. Um, but the numbers that they want him to improve on, you've got to see significant progression. Well, and I've mentioned this a number of times. He had a 5.3 walks per nine rate overall last year. Mm-hmm. It was 5.8 at Norfolk. Mm-hmm. But way, he, too it, it, yeah. way too it's, high. Way too high. He got to the majors and it dropped to 4.0. Now, still li- high. <laughs> li- limited sample size. Yeah. Limited mm-hmm. sample size. 4.0 was still high, but it dropped almost two walks per nine mm-hmm. once he got to the major league level and he had Darren Holmes and Chris Holt to work with. I always put Darren Holmes first. For but only reason, one but start, though. Only one start. A lot of it came in relief, but you still are seeing him have more control, especially down the stretch. His last six outings, he was phenomenal. He right. was absolutely phenomenal. And I look at D.L. Hall. We Again, I mentioned that we had Keith Ball on the program last week, and I tend to agree with him. He says that D.L. Hall's ceiling is higher than Grayson Rodriguez. Oh, I agree with that. I, I, I do, too. His arm, to me, is special. He has four pitches that can be elite that he can throw. He's got, a, And he said that the... The person standing in his way of his command issue with his command issues is DL Hall. Right. That he can throw strikes whenever he wants, but he doesn't. Because I, I think his and I think it's why he got hurt uh two years ago, is I think that he's trying to prove that he can overpower people. Mm-hmm. And I think that he gets into situations where he gets two strikes and he wants to blow somebody away instead of using pitch ability to get to get these eyes out. What are your thoughts on that? Uh so number one, I agree with you that DL actually does have a higher ceiling than Grayson. I've sat behind, right behind home for each of their so starts for each of them, and the ball comes out of DL's hand just crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he makes the ball dance in the air. And now, whether he can harness that, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, whether how he fits in to the rotation. What what do you think? Do you, do you see him as like a midseason add to the rotation? Only if he proves it. You okay. Know? I mean, so prove that he can throw strikes in AAA before yeah. you get an op- with the yeah. number of options that they have right. in the major league rotation right now. Prove that you can throw strikes at AAA. Yeah. Also, I would think that they would manage him in a way at AAA so that they're not wasting bullets. Yeah. But he still has to get his work in. Yeah. So. Uh, now the the one outing that everyone's going to hang on to, well, really hung on to throughout the off season was the Yankee Stadium outing. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he was fantastic, dominant. It was, was one of my favorite moments from the season, from mm-hmm. the entire season, was how dominant he was in that outing. And you're watching. I'm watching that, thinking like it can't be long before they unleash him as a starter. Yeah, just because I mean he had it working that day, yeah. and that you see, and there are starts like he had a uh, like a fourteen strikeout outing or thirteen strikeout outing in six innings in Jacksonville one day last summer, and he, it's just not consistent. Right, yeah. he just doesn't put it together each and every time, um, and even in the thirteen strikeout outing against Jacksonville early on in that game, he was looked like it might be a short day for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's. Uh, I don't, and I don't know if that consistency is ever going to come. If it doesn't, he's going to be a reliever. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the guy's going to have a promising career. Uh, I think a solid career at the big league level. It's just it, it depends on him. It's up to him yeah. what he's going to do with with his ability. Is he going to yeah. be a reliever because he can't consistently throw strikes and he's just trying to blow people away every time, or is he going to be a legitimate ace starting pitcher? Because I think that's his ceiling. I think his ceiling is an ace in a rotation. Yeah. And look, 
I look at the Orioles rotation right now, and I think Grayson Rodriguez is going to be in it. We know Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson are going to be in it. Okay. And then there's the two other spots, and it's Kyle Bradish, it's Dean Kramer. And, and Tyler Wells. And, I, you don't think so? No. You don't think he's really I, I, part of the picture? I, I mean, Mike Elias said that they plan on Grayson Rodriguez being part of the rotation. He has said that multiple times he, he on the record. That. Yeah, he did say he, that. He said that. So if you, if you look at it, you look at what Dean Kramer did, and he was from the end of uh, – he came back in June and was really good in June. He had a bad July. But from the end of July through the end of the season, he was the Orioles' best starter. Mm-hmm. And, the, mo- and the thing that he really did – and I think that – the wall really helped his mindset. He pounded the strike zone yep. as well as anybody in the major leagues. Yeah, yeah. He threw a ton of strikes. That was his, that was his big um, knock the year before when he was so bad was that he just could not throw strikes. And right. it's like you got to get your command under control. And right. he came out and he did. And I noticed that too. He was just throwing strikes yeah. last year and trusting his stuff. And Kyle Bradish, man, he was so he was at times dominant yeah. last yeah. year, just absolutely dominant. And when I think about how good he was. His last 13 starts, 3-2-8 ERA. He had four starts in the six-start stretch where he went seven innings or more, no runs, two hits or less. He was dominant. He was absolutely dominant. And I look at I look at a rotation in the future, maybe as soon as 2024 or the second half of 2023, where you have Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and and um, Kyle Bradish as your top three starters in your rotation. Well, that would be good. Yeah, and I, I think that they, they have If the everything goes well. Yeah. That they have the opportunity to do that. And with... With D.L. Hall, his arm is just so special. Mm-hmm. It's so special. And I keep coming back to how his walk rate dropped. Mm-hmm. And I also keep coming back, and Keith Law kind of dismissed this, but I'm not coming off of him. Last year, he had to be added to the 40-man uh, roster because he was Rule 5 eligible. Right. And he would have been the first guy taken in the Rule 5. Right. He had to be added, and then they had a lockdown. He couldn't go to minor league spring training. He couldn't work out with the coaches. He couldn't work with, with, with Chris Holt. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do anything with the major league team. And then he has to come into spring training in March with everybody else and ramp up with an opportunity to make a big league club. And, and He actually stayed behind in Sarasota because he was coming off an injury plague year. Y- exactly. And so he had to stay in Sarasota for like, I don't know, two or three weeks. And then he reported it. He actually did his rehab, quote unquote, with Adley, if you remember. Yeah. And he got one start in Aberdeen. He got mm-hmm. one start in Bowie. And then they put him in, in AAA. Yeah. And he didn't have an off season with Chris Holt, with Darren Holmes, with the big league coaching staff and training staff. You saw in the limited sample size, the walk rate come down. I am very interested to see what he can do with an entire off season and an entire six week spring training with that staff and and, and see what he can become. I, I have, I've always had the faith in, in DL hall and we had Kyle Glazer on two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. he said, um, he said, he's a reliever. I, he's been a reliever for three years. He, he's a reliever. I so wholeheartedly And that could be right. I mean, we've, it been, could be. we've been talking about these issues with D.L. Hall for like six years at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which I think is pretty telling, right? I mean, and that's what Kyle Glazer meant. Yeah, I mean, and he's still, I think his highest inning total that he's thrown in the minor leagues it's is another like 92. Problem. It's another problem. Yeah. And so is it going to be an unending quest to build him up to 160 innings? I mean, right. Not, even, not even 200, like 160. is like... I don't know, and so and again, at some point, the Orioles are going to have to make that decision whether that's worth whether the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, and, and that's a fair point. Yeah, especially we, when you have a dominant left-handed reliever, you you think just sitting there ready yeah. to roll. Yeah, you know, like if you had if you have like Grayson Rodriguez for six innings, and then you can <laughs> finish the game with D.L. Hall and Felix Bautista, like that's some high-end velocity yeah. for twenty-seven outs. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point, and it's fair. And and 
I am just. I don't want to see him be the next Josh Hader. I just don't. Right. I, I think that. I think that. Oh, have, I think you owe it to him, and you owe it to the organization to try give it one more shot as a starter. Yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten there yet. I, I haven't gotten there where I'm like he's a reliever because I just again I keep coming back to. It. I think his his arm is just so special. It, it, it it's a generational arm in my opinion, and yeah. so now if this year he comes out Although, and, he, and he still can't do it, okay, I'll, I'll get to that page. It's like I'd rather have him on the team in a relief role than not at all. Yeah, you mentioned the generational arm. It was funny. It doesn't really matter if he doesn't throw strikes. Kind of like, uh, like a great base runner who can't get on base. Yeah, uh, you know, Jorge the, Mateo. Exactly. Yep. You know. So well, uh, and let's let's talk about Jorge Mateo. That's a nice segue. Okay. That's, that's a nice segue into the Orioles infield because we know Gunner is going to be on the left side, okay. likely at at. Third base. Third? Okay. We know that Adam Frazier is brought in to be the everyday second baseman, at least to start the year. Mm-hmm. Jorge Mateo is playing shortstop until he isn't. Ramona Rios just won a gold glove at third base, right. and he's didn't make an error at second base last year in a decent sample size. What are we? What are the Orioles doing with their infield? Joey Ortiz could be just as good mm-hmm. a defender as Jorge Mateo and maybe has a better bat. Uh, what this Orioles infield is so talented and so deep, but you can only and we have Ryan Ripken on. He just said there's only so many spots to go around for all these guys. They have four guys that are in top 100 lists in Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westbrook, Connor Norby, and Joey Ortiz. What are they going to do with this infield? Boy, that's a good question. Now I will say that sometimes injuries, kind of in spring training, yeah make it easy and so and these questions sort of have a way of Working answering themselves them, yeah. the, answering themselves uh gunner's going to play every day yep that's the only guy i would say well in Mountcastle, they're they're going to play every day but i wouldn't say that mateo is necessarily guaranteed to play every day early on mm-hmm. particularly against tough right-handed pitchers sure uh, unless you know the, the bat really improves he just didn't get on base very much last 267. year and remember in the middle of last year there was a brief period where he was benched for Richie Martin because Martin would provide more offense. That <laughs> happened. That, like that that happened. It wasn't it wasn't it was brief, but it happened. And then like 3 days. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh it was in Toronto. No, Kansas City. Kansas City. It was in Kansas City. And after that though, Richie Martin did have a two triple game. I'm just throwing it out there. I do, I think he signed with Cincinnati. Hopefully he gets a He's shot. He's somewhere. Anyway, but I will also say this. When the Orioles were really rolling, they won 10 in a row, and I think they had a really good July and August, right? Mm-hmm. Their best player during that stretch was Jorge Mateo. That's true. Uh, he was on fire for about a five-week stretch. So there. I uh, Does it remind anyone of the Tim Beckham situation? Yes. Where Tim Beckham would have a month where you'd think he's the best player on the team, and then he'd have a month where you'd think he doesn't belong? When, when he came over to the Orioles in 2017, mm-hmm. He uh he hit like three thirty mm-hmm. with ten home runs after he got here, yep. and he was like the Orioles, like oh the Orioles are gonna be really good with Beckham playing third base next year, and then yep. he was awful. It was horrible. To start, and then he got off to a really hot start with Seattle the next season, where he hit like four home runs yep. in the first three games mm-hmm. or something like that, and you, you thought here he comes again because he was a former number one overall prospect, yep. uh, or number one overall pick, excuse me, uh, and that was the name I was trying to think of that I couldn't think of, where everybody keeps talking about that five week stretch that Jorge Mateo had, mm-hmm. and I'm like who is the other player that was that. Yeah, and it just it and then fizzled. You, you just can't be that streaky in this league. I mean, yeah, there right. the problem is, especially for for Jorge Mateo, and he's going to see this pretty quickly. Is that the Orioles do have these other options? Mm-hmm. They do. And Michael Elias just said he was on some program two days ago or three days ago where he said, "Look, I think we're going to see Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg early." 
So yeah. he's got those guys breathing down his neck right now. Right. And he knows that. And if he has that Tim Beckham kind of stretch where it's just a month of bad baseball, he, he ain't going to play. He's not going to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, 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 you, and he says, I think we're going to see them early. He said the same thing last year about Grayson and about That's Adley. True. And Adley debuted it, the third week of May. It, it's not at the end of the third mm-hmm. week of May or the beginning of the third week of May. It's not like it was like July. Mm-hmm. But didn't it feel like it? Didn't it feel like it had been three months since the start of the season before he debuted because we were just waiting for him for so long? Yeah, and he didn't have any spring training at all. Yeah. So that rehab stint, and you saw it early on that he didn't have much of a spring training. Right. Because he started 8 for 56. You yeah. know, and so I I didn't have an issue with and so, and as a catcher, there's stuff, there's boxes you have to yeah. check and and things like that. So I didn't have an issue with how they dealt with that. Uh, uh, but in in terms of this, so back to the the infield question. Mm-hmm. What was what do we think Adam Frazier was brought in to do? To bat left handed, get on base, and play second base or corner outfield. If I have no desire to see him play corner outfield, but okay, continue. I don't either. <laughs> I don't think he will play much of that because they have some other options, but it's something else mm-hmm. that he can do. So do we think that Urias and Frazier will platoon at second? Is that the idea? Maybe. I, I or don't know. or you know, could Urias play some short? Could yeah. or could it be a situation where against uh against some tough right handers, Gunner can play short, Urias can play third. Mm-hmm. Oh, or, then, or, 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 he, again, he's going to get an opportunity to play four or five, five probably five times a week yeah. at different positions. Or, or, or yes. Well, I think all of these guys are going to move around. They they yeah. love versatility, and, and Gunnar Henderson is not exempt from that. Yeah, I I don't think I think Brandon Hyde has said as much that we're not going to see Gunnar at second anymore. No, that experience no. that experiment's done. Yeah, um, you know, just not a second base body. Thankfully, just not. Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, I would expect to see Gunnar a lot at third. Yep. And then when he's not playing third, maybe against tough right-handers, he can play short in in place of Mateo. And in that situation, uh, Urias can play third. And then Frazier can play second against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. And then against left-handed pitching, Urias can play second. Yeah. That's what I would imagine. At least to start, that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think that Adam Frazier has a great ability to elongate this lineup. Because I kept saying all offseason that I really feel like the Orioles needed to add a middle-of-the-order bat to just make their lineup that much deeper. They didn't. They added Adam Frazier and James McCann. And when I look at Adam Frazier, if Adam Frazier is a guy that he was prior to 2022, he's not going to hit second. But I would, I, I, you could bat him second, Henderson third, Rutschman fourth, and now your lineup's deeper. Right. Now, now your lineup is, is longer. Yeah. You don't have to depend on guys with a 318 on base percentage that strike out 150 times batting 3-4-5 for you. You don't have to worry about that. Now mm-hmm. you have your best on-base guys, 2-3-4, and then you can yeah. have Mountcastle, Santander, Santander, Mountcastle, and mm-hmm. go from there. And I'm much more okay with a lineup like that than I am Rutschman 2, Henderson, or, or Rutschman 2, uh, Santander 3, Mountcastle 4, Henderson 5. Yeah, so even last year, there were still too many nights where like seven, eight, nine were like barely major league players. Yeah. And I, so I think this year you look at I, I saw I think it was Masson who did 
a like a projected 26 man roster mm-hmm. and it's like wow these are 26 major league players yeah they're so deep this year yeah. and so yeah and so and number one that thing the number one thing that tells you is that it does take a while to raise the floor mm-hmm. i think going from where they were to raising the floor takes a lot longer than going from the floor to whatever their ceiling is sure or maybe it takes the same amount of time, but going for, <laughs> I, I don't know. But anyway. Uh, that, that, we, we get what you're getting at. That, that, that Harry Carey skit with Will Ferrell. They're like, what do you think for the World Series? And he goes, Braves and six. Yankees and six. What are the Braves, Norm? You never know. <laughs> That's what that reminded me of. And so I think Brandon will have, for the first time really in his major league managing career, and a lot of major league options, yeah, which is good, yeah. And so, the, and we'll see how that plays out. Like I said, injuries happen. Last year, they were pretty fortunate with the injuries outside of John Means. Yeah. So, and to be fair, that was a big one. Yeah. And so, one. but on the, the position biggest. player side, they were fortunate with injuries. So we'll see, hopefully uh, they'll they'll be as fortunate as they were last year in that regard. So, but we'll see. Yeah, you bring up Brandon Hyde, and nobody will ever mistake me for a Brandon Hyde guy. Right, I, I, some, <laughs> some of those decisions that he made last year, and Ryan and I talked about this on the show last week, and I'm not on here to hate on Brandon Hyde. I've done enough of that over over the last six months. But there was a game against the Pirates. It was game 108 of the year. I remember it because it started. It was remembers the, last, the number, man. Well, because I, really hated this move. I, I I wrote an article about it after the game because they they were entering the final third of the season after that game, and they needed to win. In my estimation, thirty five or th- to thirty seven of those games to make the playoffs. The Blue Jays that Sunday swept the Athletics. It was what you're supposed to do. The uh-huh. Orioles had an opportunity to sweep the Pirates, and the lineup they put out. The final four guys in the lineup were Chirinos, Mateo. Brett Phillips, and I want to say it was Ryan Mc... No, Ryan, it was Ryan McKenna, I believe. And Taron Vavra was hitting third that day. And Rufnet Odor was playing... No, uh, so it was Odor, Mateo, Chirinos, and Phillips. Were the last four guys, the automatic outs, basically. Yeah. And they played Odor at third base. And Odor, not an error, but a mental error where he played a, yeah. a, a big hop. Instead of playing the short hop, he backed up. The guy reaches base on an infield single after 13 straight were retired by, by I almost called him Miguel Gonzalez, by uh, Spencer Watkins. And then I can the see how fall. you can make that difference, <laughs> that, that mistake. <laughs> Similar vibe, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, really, a- though. Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, because of that play where he, I, I even watched him do it, I said he should have played that on a short hop right. instead of playing it at the back of the dirt. And the guy reaches base. Four consecutive hits. They score three runs that inning. They score four the next, and then one the next after that. And the Orioles lose that game eight to one. And that, to me, that was a that was Brandon Hyde just well biting off his nose to, to to spite his face, or cutting off his nose to spite his face, which I've used a lot on this show. And so now, how much really roundabout and long drawn out way of me asking you how much of the spotlight is going to be on Brandon Hyde now that he has a talented roster with a lot of depth. Well, first of all, I would say in that Pirates game, you were naming like like four, like five position players. That's like almost half of your position player allotment. Like, yeah. he didn't, like, you got to play your guys. Like, you have to play who you play. Right, but and not, then, not like, all and on the same day. I, I, you never know. It's good. I don't know. But I don't like to get into lineup stuff because I don't know who the hell's making out the lineup. That's but a good anyway, point. Uh, and it's like if, you're, if you have problems with like five or six position players, 
it probably isn't time yet. It's probably not your year yet. Anyway, yeah. so that's a, that, I mean, you know what? That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it's I, true. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, anyway, so hopefully that won't be the and like this year. Hopefully you have like oh Jordan Westberg that you could pick from instead yeah. mm-hmm. of picking from the guys that you were picking from last year. You have you could pick from a Jordan Westberg, a Connor Norby. Who's my guy, by the way? Saw him in Aberdeen. I His barrel of the ball skills, oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, I yeah. love him. Uh, and then you can pick from a Joey Ortiz. You mm-hmm. can pick from uh, a Ramon Uri. So hopefully this year you have a lot more options, particularly yeah. in the second half, a lot more options, and you're not picking from you know, Brett Phillips. Do, do you think but, that Ryan McKenna has an inside track? That's being, what I was just going to say. About, uh, of being the fourth outfielder? Well, I don't considering know he was like the second best hitter against lefties last year. Really? Yeah. So I would say, yeah, he probably does have an inside track to. They sucked against lefties last they, year. They, that he, was a problem. If he did. fits in, though, how does Kyle Stowers? You know, because you have. Uh, that brings me to my next note because Keith Law said last year Kyle Stowers can't hit. You uh, kind of agree. You told me that there's a huge hole in his swing, and that he's... I, I'll be honest with you, I su- I was surprised that he hit in AAA. I thought he was going to be exposed at Double A or AAA. I saw that swing at Aberdeen. The path like, is unreal. I was like, <laughs> number one, he swings at everything like it's a three-one fastball. There's mm-hmm. no two-strike approach. Nope. And and there wasn't any in the, the majors last year. And it, I remember distinctly, it cost him a game one time. It was against the Astros. He had. Um, it was uh, in extra innings, guy on third, one down. Just got to make you got to make contact, mm-hmm. and he strikes out because he's swinging at everything like a three-one fastball. And the uh, and the other thing is the uppercut is so like one of the things that Gunnar Henderson talks about in the story is that once he got to Aberdeen, he had that slump. He was mm-hmm. one for thirty-one. It's kind of like the crux of my my story and. Out of that slump, he said, all right, I got to change the thing. Number one, I got too much of an uppercut. Mm-hmm. I'm not able yep. to get to fastballs at the top of the zone. Yep. I got to fix that. He flattened out his swing. He fixed it. Mm-hmm. And so, He's but, so good. And, and Stowers just has never done that. Yeah. Because And maybe he's a more experienced guy. He never really struggled in the minor leagues because he was a good college player. But I'll be interested to see after he got uh, exposed a little bit in the majors this past year, did he make some adjustments this year or not? And yeah. and so I, I think he's already going to be like 24 or 25. This is a big year for him. Yeah. yeah, big year for Kyle Stowers to show that he could be a part of this because there are other outfielders coming. So And that's the thing. Uh, now there's competition, legit competition. Yep. Everywhere, really, except it, for first If you base. don't play well, there's somebody breathing down your neck. Maybe not a catcher. But yeah, maybe, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> so. yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Catcher, <laughs> maybe unless you're James McCann. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, so, but otherwise, you got you got guys. Who are who are going to be pining for those opportunities? So yeah. that's exciting because, uh, like in the, the beginning stages of a rebuild, you're like tossing out guys who just suck, and they're like they're just bad baseball players playing poorly, and there's like nobody in AAA pushing that. It's like mm-hmm. oh, it's awful. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. well, yeah. I, McKenna's an interesting piece because it, it, Luke mentioned it. He was very good against lefties. I mean, Brandon Hyde had him leading off for some reason um, in a lot of those lefty games, and he had moderate success in that spot. But I, you know, you can't downplay the defensive value he brings. I think that's the biggest thing. You can't leave a Ferrari in the garage. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Ryan McKenna. Oh, okay. Because I think their best hitter against lefties last year was Santander, right, which I was different right. for his career because usually he was stronger from yeah. the, the other side. Left side of the play, yeah. That can be pretty random. Uh, and then Mountcastle wasn't very good against lefties. Well, Mountcastle wasn't very good against anybody. He was extremely he, unlucky. He's my pick to click this year. Yeah, I, I think that the hits start falling in this year. I think he's going to have a really his big His entire year. professional career 
he has shown that when he struggles the next year, he comes back and to use a term my mom uses all the time, he's gangbusters. Like, like literally. You do say that a lot. That's. <laughs> I don't think I say gangbusters a lot. I've already said one or two times. One at or two least. times isn't a lot. All right, yeah, three well, years of the show. All right. Um, but yeah, I, I, he was so unlucky last year. And if I think he has a bit more protection, like Gunnar Henderson yeah. and Adley Rutschman and Santander to a certain extent, I, I expect him to have a bigger year. And some of those, like you said, some of those hits to fall. He's proven to be too good of a hitter in the past yeah. to struggle as much as he did last year. Uh, Hayes wasn't very good against lefties all year, and he wasn't good against anybody in the second half. Yeah. And so those are two guys that against left-handed pitching, they need Hayes to be good against lefties. They need Mountcastle to be good against lefties. Luke, how short is the Hayes leash? Ooh. Depends Excellent how question. good Colton Kowser is at Norfolk. Yeah, I would think. Kowser you know, has to prove he can hit left-handed pitching. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Kowser got off to a very slow start, but I, I think there's and a slow finish. And everybody believes in him though, except Keith Law. Uh, oh, really, Keith Law? He's saw, not on his top 100. He's his first mm. in, the, in the 10 that just missed. But he said that he thinks he's a solid. He has a ceiling of a solid uh, everyday big leaguer, but he just can't hit lefties. Hmm. So I saw him a lot at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I was a little underwhelmed. Yeah. Now, it's a tough environment to hit in at Aberdeen. Sure. And once he got to Bowie, he crushed it. Mm-hmm. And he struck for a guy who had who came into the organization with like the reputation of having a, a huge hit tool. There was a lot of swing and miss in this game. And now, I will say this: that like when a 22 year old is struggling to pick up spin in his first full year of pro ball. It's fine. Like mm-hmm. he'll probably he might figure it out. He may very well figure it out. Like it's not a huge deal if he's struggling with spin. Uh, but he was struggling with spin, and so I just he didn't seem to be like the quite the advanced college hitter that I was expecting to see. Uh, but like I said, once he got out of Aberdeen, uh, Aberdeen gets in hitters' heads. It does. Yeah, it does. And, and it, it, you've seen it with everybody. Yes. Uh, Actually, the one guy who hit pretty well at Aberdeen was Daryl Harnays. I love Daryl. But anyway, mm-hmm. Oakland got a good one there. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I, I just I, with Cowser, you know, I'll I'll trust the track record that this is a guy with the track record of hitting, and the, the Orioles' track record of picking out hitters is very good, and their types of hitters they tend to nail that with this group. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see. And now I know Cowser said that. He was figuring it out at Norfolk, and then the season ended. Yeah, I know he he has said that that you know the season you know just kind of ended on him. Yeah, and so we'll see if he picks up where he left off, and if he does, then he'll probably make his big league debut at some point in the summer. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I, I'm pretty I would, confident in that. I would I would expect that yeah. to be the case. Now, um, we got to get you out of here by noon, so we okay. only have five minutes left. So rather than take our break before you leave, okay. and come back. We do trivia here. Okay. We do. Um, so Ryan asked me a trivia question last week in Zach's stead. So even though Zach hasn't asked a trivia question in about two or three shows now, it's still my turn to ask him one. So I know the one that I'm... G- mm. I had one prepared. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of this. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Well, you can, you can ask me that. <laughs> no, after. no. You, it, you, it, no you, you can ask me your trivia question. I'll after save it because they're hard to come up with. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so Luke, do you want to do the batting average one or the home run one? Do home runs. Okay. Okay. Hang on. I had this number in my head. Yeah, last I would have picked now, home runs too. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14 players for the Orioles have mm-hmm. hit 30 or more home runs since Ooh. 2000. Since 2000. Since 2002. Okay. Um, 
and really since 2000. Okay. Um, but the first instance is 2002. 14 players have hit two th- two um, 30 home runs or more since 2002. It's been accomplished, I think it's 24 times. I'm not going to count it out. Okay. Um, there's a bunch of guys who have done it multiple times. Right. Can you name them? Okay. Chris Davis. Chris Davis. Can you name the years and the, and the numbers? 15. Mm-hmm. 12. Uh, thirteen. Mm-hmm. And what did, was he also in sixteen? Yes. Okay. So he had fifty. He had thirty-three in twenty twelve, fifty-three in uh, twenty thirteen, forty-seven in twenty fifteen, and thirty-eight in twenty sixteen. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Renato Nunez in nineteen. Ooh, I thought that was the one that was going to get you. He, Renato Nunez in twenty nineteen hit okay. thirty-one. I watched way too much Orioles that year. Um. Am I allowed to help here or not? Am I I staying quiet? You got to stay quiet. You have your own. Let's see here. Adam Jones. Adam Uh, Jones. When did he do it? That would have been, I think, 12 Mm -hmm. and maybe 14. 14, he hit 29. Uh, 13 then? 2013, he hit 33. 32 in 2012 and 33 in 2013. Uh, Nelson Cruz in 14. Correct. Uh, Manny Machado in 15, 16 in that area. Um, he did it more than that. 17-2? Yes. He, okay. Uh, yes. He hit, uh, let's see, 2015, he hit 35, 2016, 37, 2017, 33. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Scope in 17? Yes. Uh, Mark Trumbo in 16? Yes. Did he also do it in 17, or did he get hurt? He got hurt. He only had 21 that year. His, yeah. Body started to break down. Uh, let's see. Um uh, you said 2002. Mm-hmm. Miguel Tejada. He wasn't here in 2002, but he is on this list. Right. That's why the starting in 2002. Oh, oh, so gotcha. so yeah. it would have been 04, 05, mm-hmm. 06. He hit 34 year. and drove in 150, still a franchise record in 2004. One of the best offensive seasons in franchise history. Yep. Um, and he was only 42 years old when he did it. Did Tony Batista ever do it? Tony Batista, 31 in 2002. I know. Get out of here. So I, I think I would have been. Going good up until that one. I I never would have gotten that. Um, let's see. You think uh, you would have gotten Nunez? Ah, uh, it's tough. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, well, Santander hit thirty three last year. That is correct. Uh, did anyone else hit thirty last year? Last I'm year, I'm not allowed to help. Apparently, uh, <laughs> no. Last uh, year, nobody else hit thirty. Well, there was nobody in 2020 to hit 30. That would have been a hell of a 60. That would have been a hell of a year. <laughs> I think Luke Voigt hit 22 <laughs> to lead the league. Yeah. Um. Uh, 21. That's another year I watch way too much Oriole baseball. Did anybody? Then you should know this. Ooh. Ooh. There's a franchise record. Franchise record? There's a franchise record. Think about it. 21. Oh. Franchise record of what? Of home runs for... Oh, Mountcastle mm-hmm. for a rookie. Yeah. Beat out Kyle Ripken, yeah. 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 By the way, Anthony Santander with his 33 home runs last year became the leading American League home run hitter in a single season for a player named they, named Anthony that goes by Anthony. Really? Okay. Oh, because guys go by Tony. Okay, yeah. I get it. He goes by Tony Taters. How many, how many do I have left? Three. Ooh, only three left. Um, hmm. Three without a miss, by the way. You want me to, uh, you know, I'm going to give you another moment or two because it is noon. Um, uh, no, I, I think. Hold on. 
since 2002. Uh, now I'm going to start like throwing darts. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Did Melvin that, Moore ever do it? That was no, gonna... that's your first miss. He hit 27 for a career high. Okay. Uh, and I believe that was in 2004 when he hit 340. Um, shit, that was one of the. You're fine. <laughs> I have one when he runs out, but um, you have three guys left. The furthest instance away is 2011. Ooh. Oh, um, uh, Mark Reynolds. Ooh, Mark Reynolds was not on the list. Yeah, I feel like That's Mark right. Reynolds did. And do Mark it. Reynolds did do it. He in twelve, did, right? He hit, no, he hit twenty three and twelve. He hit thirty seven mm, okay. in two thousand. Yeah. Baseball reference is my go to, and they leave a lot of players off. They these do lists. once in a while. They, yeah. They, yeah. They, yeah. Mark, Mark Reynolds hit thirty seven, and I comp- he wasn't on the list. <laughs> and I was compiling this after ten hours of studying yesterday, and I was laying in bed about to go to sleep, and I was compiling this list, so it didn't even register to me. Um. So, but there was another one that hit mm-hmm. thirty. The, in the only uh, time his career he hit thirty home runs. Ooh, do you know this? Can I take a guess? Mm-hmm. Sure. Luke Scott? Oh. No, his career high was 26. Okay. Uh, and I don't think but I, I do know the other one. I don't think he was on the team in 2011. I do know the other one. So that's I'm, not this one. I'm fairly, I'm like 99.9% certain that Matt Weeders never hit 30. No, no his no. career high is 23. Um, uh, 2011. Very popular in Baltimore. I think I know it. I think you do too. Really? Yeah. Very popular. Is it Steve Pierce? No, he had 21 he? in 2014. Oh, okay, all right, all right. That was too early. Very popular in Baltimore. I, I didn't know what to expect when you, when you said his, that. His, the way his name was announced is very popular. Oh, oh J.J. Hardy. Yeah, okay. J.J. That, yeah. was too, okay. that was too easy. Because he came over from that from the Brewers trade that year, right? Yes. Okay. He hit 30. No, yeah. twins. twins. Twins, you're right. You're right. He hit so what are, 30 home runs What years do I have left? 2019 and 2021. Who the hell hit 20? I think you're missing another one then. Mm-mm. You sure? He got all of them. Except, and Mark Reynolds, who I didn't have. Because, hmm, is it okay. 19 and 21? Mm-hmm. Let me look this up, then. I think you're oh, missing Mullins. 30-30 year. Yep, Mullins in 2021 hit 30. And 2019. Do you know this? Uh, No, but I... I'm, Go ahead. I'm surprised neither one of you... What, what about Mark Trumbo in 16? He already said that. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Okay, 19. my bad. Who, who, 19, 19. He's no longer on the team, but he still plays. Another very popular player. Very popular. Oh, Mancini. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. 35 in 2019. Mm. Yeah. You only had a couple of misses in there, and you got like the first 23. um, Yeah, he did good. He did really uh, good. Without a miss, which was impressive. I I don't think I could have done that. Maybe I, I, Batista and Nunez would have tripped me up. You you got me to the, to the finish line there. Yeah, you're, you're like very, very popular teammate. Well, I wanted you to get it. I also know you you got to get at, get out of here. So, Luke, always great when you come in. We'll do this again when we get closer to uh, opening Thanks, day. Absolutely. Enjoy the lacrosse game. Hopefully, the weather's a little bit warmer once you get out of here. I think Absolutely. it's supposed to be in the mid fifties today, so I think you'll be yeah, all right. It's a great day for lacrosse. Yeah, and enjoy that. It, it, you said it's who's playing Towson and Loyola? Uh, Maryland and Loyola. Mar- Maryland and Loyola this early in the year. Yeah, it's a good That's, game. Well, they played in College Park last year. This is the return game. Gotcha. That's. Awesome. Have a great time, man. Thanks, we'll Luke. talk to you soon, man. Thanks for coming right. in. You bet. Thanks, guys. And that was Luke Jackson, Press Box editor, joining us to talk about his Gunnar Henderson uh, cover story for Press Box, which will be uh, hitting stores this week. Yep. And also, just a nice Orioles roundtable. Always a great time when Luke comes in and talks some baseball. That's with one us. of the best shows I think we've done because, you know, that was just incredible. Now, imagine that for another hour. 
because that's what we did. Yeah. We, we went to yeah. one, when, the, when you missed back in October, we went to one o'clock with <laughs> when it was he, Ryan, and I yeah. in, the, in the studio. So it, just a hell of a time, hell of a time talking. I, I could talk with, I could talk baseball with Luke literally all day, it, it, and I would, oh, I would yeah. love it. He, the points that he makes up, I'm very knowledgeable about baseball, not to pat myself on the back. I, I consider myself an expert. He blows me out of the water. He always comes up with something Stuff. that I never thought of. Yep. You know, it's it's always great. Look, we got to catch our final break. I want to remind you, Press Boxes, Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports, and it is a sponsor of this show. You can watch Glenn Clark Radio every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You have no excuses not to tune in to Glenn Clark Radio. It is literally everywhere. And you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Maryland basketball legend Joe Smith, a former teammate of LeBron James, former Ravens coach Brian Billick, and Sammy Saragusa, the daughter of late Ravens legend Tony Saragusa. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back, a trivia question for Zach and some final thoughts. That next on The Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms the latest edition of press box is available now and it's our annual best of issue on the cover we recognize orioles catcher adley rutschman as our 2022 mo gabba sports person of the year and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in baltimore was simultaneous with the birds turnaround also inside we recognize the top people performances and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track.
right, welcome back to the Batter Round. Uh, really fun show today. Uh, Stan yeah. was great as always. Ryan Ripkin's always a blast to talk to. And Luke Jackson just, he makes a, a round table. Like, again, we could just talk baseball with him all day. Yeah. T- ton of fun talking with him. Now, uh, I do have some you got, trivia. You got me a little nervous now. Um, I thought it was going to be easy. I, like I said, I, I would have done well in the home run one because I, a lot of those guys I grew up watching. So it really didn't have much like 2000 to 2010 in it, and that's where I really seemed to struggle. So hopefully so, this will be better. I'm going to go back because I think that this is a question that I asked you. It's not – I don't think it's on here. Hmm. I think this – I believe I asked you this question last year. Okay. And I did all right? No, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> all right. Some Well – Look, look. I, for whatever reason, like I said, I do better when we're doing the family feud style thing because when other people say things, it brings things to my head. And when I'm just sitting here alone and not really getting any help that way, I really start to struggle. I know all of this in some way. I've heard it at some point in my life. I mean, I've heard so many Orioles-related things throughout my life. But, you know, it doesn't always come to me. So I'm not I'm not the best trivia, trivia star in the world when it comes to the Orioles. Well, but that's okay. That's okay, man. You, you've done, don't need to be. You, you've done need well to be. enough. <laughs> Um, there, there's yeah, been some ones where I've done better on than others. Yeah. I'm almost certain I've asked you this question in the past, and I, okay. but I, for some reason, I won't remember. Just, just like today, I didn't put the trivia question in the notes. Okay. Um, you have two options. Okay. You can either name the one, two, three, four, five, six players okay. since nine, six players in Orioles history to hit three nineteen or better. Okay. And the, the most, the the furthest away is 1994, or the four players in Orioles history to have a lifetime Orioles batting average of 300 or better, and they all played a minimum of three years with the club. So four players are better? Or four players or more? Four players that hit 300 or, oh, okay, or, or okay. better <laughs> gotcha, right, for, the, yeah. for, their, for their Orioles career. It's not a caveat that they played mm. three years or 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 more can i have that home run question from right yeah. um jeez but 319 is really high i mean yeah. that's that's exceptionally high um i think i could have done well with that one i don't uh, know that i could have done as well with with the with the le- four yeah um I don't, I, 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 I don't know which one to pick. Can we like combine them and i can just start throwing out answers and you can see <laughs> if any of them are um let me see two of the guys on the um, highest for a season are on the highest for career. Okay. Just with the Orioles. Okay. I mean, can I throw out Aparicio? I, I feel like Aparicio had a really high average at one point. No, no Aparicio was not a was not okay. A uh, Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson hit three hundred for his Orioles career. Okay. So First which one, one are, are you just combining the two? Yeah, like I yeah, I think that might be the easier, he hit three hundred for his Orioles career. He is and one what, of those four. He is not one of the six. What's the minimum at bats again? Not at bats. It's for their oh, mi- minimum okay. years played. Years played. That's it. There, there is no minimum, but okay. the, the guys, the four guys, all played three years or more. For the okay. Orioles. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh Hmm. So I got to think. I mean, Eddie Murray, great hitter. I'll throw him out there. Eddie Murray's career batting average was two ninety four. <laughs> okay, and he does not have one of the highest six batting averages yeah. of three nineteen or higher. I can't imagine Cal did it, but why not throw him out there? Cal three twenty three in nineteen ninety one. Okay. Cal was a really okay. really good hitter from nineteen. He was a good hitter his entire career, but he was an elite hitter from nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety one. Yeah, uh, I'll throw Mark Belanger out there. Why not? 
Man, you have named not, two guys who were not known not for their bats. Not, no, of course, Mark, Bland, Mark Belanger defender, but, you know. Same never, thing with Aparicio. You never know. There's always a guy in there who can, you know, hit the Ranger one time. Um, did Jonathan VR do it at any point? He hit 279 his one year. That was one that was what it was hot. Okay. He, mm-hmm. But he, and he only played a year, a year and a half. Oh, a year and a half. But yeah. even then, he hit 279 that year. Uh, what about Brady? Never. Never. I think okay. his highest average was 291 when he hit 50 home runs. All right. Um, let me keep thinking here. What about Ken Singleton? No. Uh, give me. Uh, I don't know. If, eh, why not? Al, give me Al Bumbry. No. Okay. He did have uh, a couple two hundred hit seasons. I know Cedric was close, but I, he didn't hit three hundred. Um, and certainly wouldn't have gotten close to three nineteen. Uh, I know Manny wouldn't have gotten to 319 either. That Manny was hitting like 320 when he got traded to the Dodgers. Yeah, that doesn't count. There, though, were, right. so, there were so many years where Manny was hitting yeah. over 300 into like August and it right. kind of fell off a little bit. And you said that, what was the most recent one again? The most recent year that the, this happened? I never told you that, but the most recent is 2006. Okay, okay. Uh, Tejada, what about Tejada? Tejada, in 2006, he hit 330. Okay. See, that helps. He is also <laughs> on the list for highest overall batting okay. average. He hit 305 in his Orioles career. Okay, cool. cool. That, he hit that, which is the second highest. Uh, let's think. Let's think. Yes, um, let's. Let, let, let's think. I'm th- trying to think of some 90s guys right now because... One of these guys, to me, would be obvious. Um, two of these guys, to me, would be obvious. Did I throw out Al Bumber yet? You did. Oh, I did. One okay. of these guys, <laughs> I said that what he hit earlier in the show, and I was like, cr- and I said, oh, OS, you did, uh, because he was, uh, he's part of the, the the trivia question. Um, I'm assuming. No, that's a terrible guess. I'm not making that guess. Who? Uh, I was gonna guess JJ, but I doubt he ever no, did that. No, no. That's, JJ, that's why I said the terrible was guess. Like a 270 hitter. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I gotta think back here a little bit. I gotta think back. Manny um, for his career. Oh, how about Nick Markakis? No, his highest batting average was three twelve, I believe. Oh, and you said two thousand six was yeah. I mean, he, he hit two ninety one in in his rookie year in two thousand six. Yeah. yeah. Um, Manny surprisingly, the only year he's ever hit above three hundred was the shortened twenty twenty season. He hit three hundred four. Although he did hit two ninety eight last year, and he hit two ninety seven uh, in twenty eighteen. Okay. Three fifteen with the Orioles. Uh, Brooks not known for the glove. Not a good guess. That would not be. known for um, the glove. I mean, not known for the bat. I mean, not known for the bat. Excuse me. I'm going what a what a faux I'm, pas. I'm going through a lot of things in my head trying to think here. There are some um, elite hitters who have played here since 1994, and I can't believe you haven't named. It. I mean, what, Rafael one, Palmero. 1994, okay. he hit 319. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> Cal hit like 313. You know, who was a really year. elite hitter, Sammy Soso in 05. Right. <laughs> I, bet he, I, I, I bet he did it. I think Cal hit like 313. In 1994. Well, in 91, when he won MVP, he hit probably what? You already uh, guessed that. Three, no, I, I know. I'm, three, I'm just he saying. He hit 323. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, Cal in 1994, when the strike, he was hitting 315 with 13 homers and 75 RBIs through 112 games. What? That may have, been his, may have been his best overall year if they hadn't shortened the season. What about Bobby Gritch? No. No? Okay. Um, I know... You nah, have... Two players left in the overall batting average. Overall. One of them is also still on the list for highest in a single See, season. I feel like that person I should be getting. Um, yeah. Pro- I, probably should be getting that one. You should definitely be getting the guy that I mentioned earlier <laughs> like, in the show. Uh, how about Boog? Did Boog do it? Nope. Really? Hmm. Boog was more known as a power hitter. He literally early. won MVP, though, one year. So, you know. Yeah, 1970, six, I think. 60, no, I think it was 1970 sure. he was the Sounds MVP. Sounds right. Um... These are so difficult. I, I swear. Um, 
a year over 319. It shouldn't be. The batting averages are 327, 328. I'm not telling you the last wow. one because if I say it again, you're going to get it. You should just say it again. <laughs> 327, 328, 340. 340. Yeah, I, was, I must have not been listening then. 340 is the highest batting average in team history for a single season. Can you give me the year on that one? 2004. You're going to get it. Oh, it's t- I mean, I already guessed Tejada, but he... He hit 330 that year. It wasn't... No, no, no. He didn't hit 330 that year. He hit like 312 that year or something like that. Tejada hit 330 in 06. Melvin Mora? Melvin Mora hit 340 oh, okay. in 2004. Okay. I mentioned him not only... You did mention that. ...as That's him right. hitting yeah, 340, okay. but also hitting 27 home runs that year. Yeah, Mel- Melvin Mora had a couple of really good years, early 2000s. All right. There are two players on each <laughs> list remaining. One of them is on, the, is on both lists. Okay. Three of the four players remaining... Two, I'm sorry, two of the three players remaining are in the Hall of Fame. Two of the three. Alomar. Roberto Alomar, 328 in go. 1996, and he hit 312 for his Orioles career, the highest in franchise history. Okay. See, when you say stuff like that, <laughs> it helps. Well, um, yeah, but I mean. Another Hall of Famer. Another Hall of Famer. Um, I feel he like, is a Hall of Famer. But not as an Oriole, probably. I mean, he played for the Orioles. He's right, not, but like not the cap isn't in the uh, Hall of no, Fame. No, otherwise he'd have a statue and a number retired out in the... Right, right. Um, he is... A Harold Hall, Baines. Harold Baines. There we go. 301 career hitter. Okay. Um, this last guy... One more. You're never going to get him. No, I'm probably not going to get him. I'm <laughs> probably not going to get him. Um, he has an unfortunate similarity... To a player who was listed, who was named earlier in um, Luke's trivia question. Unfortunate similarity. In what way? I'm not going to tell you. It's an unfortunate similarity that has nothing to do with baseball. Like weight or something like that? Like, what's an unfortunate, like, I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, Nelson Cruz being a big guy, but he didn't do it. It's not um, not weight. It has nothing to do with their weight. I don't know. You. I mean, it, it, it could, but <laughs> I don't know. Health. Uh, health. Um, Marty Cordova in the tanning bed. Um, no, nah, I know Marty Cordova. Um, but uh, let's let's think. He was health. mentioned earlier. Health. Popular player has a similar similarity to this guy. I mean, popular player. I know you named Trey Mancini, but he didn't hit that high. Um, and he wouldn't have. I said that he has a similarity that has nothing to do with baseball to this player. But an unfortunate health similarity that has nothing to do with baseball to this player. Really? You named the player. I named the player. Trey Mancini is the player that he has a similarity to. Right. It's an unfortunate health similarity. What did Trey Mancini have? He had cancer, but I, I he can't. He had colon cancer. Colon cancer. But someone else did? Uh, I don't remember. Well, you weren't alive. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I wasn't alive. When were you born again? Uh, oh, one. Oh, yeah. He, he, the year that he did this was three years before you were born. Okay. And at the time, so it was one point lower than the all-time Orioles single-season record, which was set in 1996 by, I'm sorry, 97 by Roberto Alomar at 328. This guy hit 327. Who in the world would that have been? Had colon cancer. Oh, 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 uh, Eric Davis? Jeez, let me hold your hand and just walk you through. Uh, Good Lord. You know what, though? I, Eric Davis, and, and he's in the Hall of Fame? No, I said two of these, two of the three remaining are in the Hall of Fame. Harold Baines and Roberto okay, Alomar, okay. those two guys. <laughs> My God, bone up. Go buy, go, go buy an Orioles I mean, I got them all, so hey. I, I, you did not. Wait, who did I miss? You missed, like... All of them without my hints. 
I don't know about that. With, without my hints. I, I don't know about that. If I hadn't given you the Hall of Fame I mean, hints and the colon cancer hints. Yeah, the Hall of Fame would help. And, and the popular Look, players. and like, Eric Davis. Eric Davis is not someone I ever think of as an Oriole. He is a red. He is yeah. a red. He is a red. He is also so, a former Oriole who hit 327 you know, with 28 home runs and came did it a year after having colon cancer. Yeah, he also did. played baseball while going through chemotherapy for colon cancer. You, Eric Davis had a, a, a short-lived Orioles career, and it was great. I know that mm-hmm. for a fact, but the, the the Reds part of Eric Davis's career is the one I always think of. So well, there you go. And, and actually, Eric Davis, if I guess a caveat is three years, because Eric Davis played two years for the Orioles, and his batting average was well above 300 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because in 1997 he hit 304 yeah. and in 1998 he hit 327 wow his Orioles career he hit 321 which would be the highest but he only played one and a half years yeah so yeah. man you suck you suck man uh, like i look how are we undefeated in Orioles podcast i, I literally have told you this like 30 times now on the show that it, when i get prompted by things like you just prompted me that's when i start yeah. to get them i'm just giving you a hard time you don't you don't suck i just <laughs> i have a rain man you know what you, you can do the you can do the trivia by yourself i'm uh, bowing we'll probably out win. i'm bowing no, out i um i have a rain man memory you do when it comes to orioles yeah i mean I, I i to to your credit you probably studied that a lot more than i do i, I just no I, I haven't studied it but you oh, okay, okay i remember so it. You, you, i remember you, right things. you grew up with a lot of it because, too i mean guys I, like eric davis you watched eric davis. It is my absolute passion so for me it's not even studying it it's i see it and i remember it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i remember that nolan reimold hit 279 with 14 home runs and 49 rbis his rookie year in 2000 sure i mean everyone thought he was Gonna be great. And Nolan Rammel wasn't. He could have been great. <laughs> well, no, it's not that he I, wasn't great. He, he he was he was hurt. I remember. So that was I think 2014. I I want to say I started watching baseball around 2011. That was kind of the year I first started really really getting into it. And then I remember listening to Scott and Jeremy all those years on the radio. And Nolan Rammel was for a little while a favorite of theirs. And they had me obsessed with Nolan Rammel for a little bit. But yeah, every, you know, never, everybody in Baltimore because we were so bad when he yeah. was here was obsessed with Nolan Rammel. Mm-hmm. And in 2012, when the Orioles got off to that hot start. He was hitting above 300, mm-hmm. and then he made a catch that took him over the wall into uh, against the White Sox, and he hurt his neck, and yep. he never came back. Yep. And th- then he was here. In 2016, he was here. I remember he had a monster home run for the Orioles in 2016, and but he just he had these glimpses. He had these flashes, yeah. but he just couldn't stay on the field. Just couldn't. Yep. God, the home run that he hit, it was a walk-off home run against Cleveland. It I was, remember that it, one. it was in 2016. It was yep. a Sunday afternoon game. I remember it because of an unfortunate circumstance in my life that I was preparing for that I'm not going to talk about on the air. But the home run, if you go back and listen to it, the sound of the ball off the bat, it might be the loudest home run I've ever heard in Oriole hit. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, but, yeah, it just it never, it never came to fruition for him because he couldn't stay on the field. By the way, speaking of Jonathan Villar and long home runs, I was at the game where Jonathan Villar hit that home run into basically the second deck in Camden Yards. It was close. I don't think it made it up there, but it made it back behind. So you know where, where the, the first section of... Did he hit this right-handed? He did. He hit All it. of his big yes. home runs I remember him hitting it was, were left-handed. It was like 470, though. Um, that was the loudest sound I think I've ever heard as far as a home run goes. Jonathan Villar absolutely destroyed that one and then got traded for... Easton Lucas. But that's another story. Different day. Uh, but no, I mean, it, Nolan Reimold had a lot of promise. I know there were a lot of comparisons to, especially to Austin Hayes, you know, early in Austin Hayes' career. Where Still, I mean, Austin yeah. Hayes was healthy all year last year, but he was hurt. He was hurt. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't have high expectations for Austin Hayes because he, he was just so bad yeah. from July through the end of the year 
that my expectations for him are th- are literally through the floorboards. Yeah, in the wrong me, direction. Me, me too. And um, I, I, but it's I mean the talent's in there. Right, the talent's in there. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, I don't really have a final thought for today. Just super excited for spring training. Uh, look, opening day is going to be here before you know it. I'm I'm just really really excited for this season. Everybody should be like Luke said. They have 26 major league players on their on their roster. They are very deep, yep. and they have a lot more coming through the pipeline. It's a fun fun time to be an Orioles fan. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you to Stan the Fan Turtles for his weekly segment segment for his weekly segment. Thanks to Ryan Ripkin for the, his great segment with us. Can't wait to talk to him again. And special thanks, special thanks to all of them, but also Luke Jackson. Always gives us our favorite show when he comes in and has a roundtable with us. Just so fun to talk baseball with him. I've said it like four times, so it's got to be true, right? Uh, Thanks to all of our sponsors, and thanks to all of our fans for listening. Without you guys, we don't have a show. So until next week, see ya!